Carrying huge space. Look how fast he's going. Polar opposite to the conditions he won in Lords. Rain so close. They're getting the last step down. The crowd is roaring. He is going to do it. He's going to smash the time. Downhill racer and our expert here today, Andrew Needling. I've always taken my health very seriously, but I must admit, it's very tough to have a balanced diet every single day, especially when I'm traveling and on the road a lot. Then I found Athletic Greens. I'm so excited to partner with them personally and for this podcast. I actually started taking AG1 long before this partnership even came about. So what is this stuff? Think of AG1 as your all-in-one health insurance. I know I do. I've never been one for taking a million different supplements or vitamins. What a mission. So this is the perfect all-in-one solution. With one scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, nervous system, immune system, energy recovery, and helps enhance your focus. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, artificial anything, all while still tasting good. What I find is it's beyond easy to use and that's definitely what I need. All you need to do is mix one scoop of AG1 with water and take it first thing in the morning. After a long flight or travel, it is a must for me too. It's that simple. They also make travel packs which I like to take on the road and to events. I notice a big difference when I include AG1 into my routine. I feel more focused and energized to get my day going. I seem to be more alert as well. Let's all be honest. We all know we don't eat enough vegetables or consume the healthiest meals some of the time, especially when we get busy. We all want something quick and easy, which will help us in life. AG1 supports better sleep quality, recovery, mental clarity, and alertness. Now, I don't care what you do. I think we can all agree this is super important. AG1 is trusted by many professional athletes and health experts. To make trying it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash moving the needle. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash moving the needle to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I'll link it in the show notes as well. All right, sports fans, hello world, welcome back, Moving Needle Podcast. I've got a humdinger of a guest for you. I'm Andrew Nietling. If you're new to the show, welcome. Thanks for all the reviews, the positive messages, the banter that we're getting. But this isn't about me. It's always about the guest, and I'm sure we're going to have a great time. It was interesting booking this guest because he is definitely, <laughs> I would say, the busiest man in mountain biking. Whether that's good or bad, we're going to certainly find out over the next little bit. He's coming off his best season to date. I mean, from team manager to top five in the world to almost winning a World Cup. We always knew he had the talent because he would have either told us or shown you very quickly. <laughs> Come on. But it is it is Bernard Kerr, my man. How are we doing? We're good, mate. Thanks for having me on. And sorry it's taken. He, Needles probably has been trying two months for this at least. So this is my bad. And I almost forgot it again this morning, even though we texted an hour ago. So, But yeah, to defend... To defend you, you're either going to Italy to whip a motocross bike, which I annoyingly am very impressed with, <laughs> slash jealous, Thanks, or mate. you try and squeeze it in before you're flying to Sea Otter. So you've been really positive about coming on. So I think the listeners have got to be thankful. I'm all good. Like I know those preseason times are busy, and you're obviously juggling, <clears throat> I don't know, a million, a million balls at a time. 
Yeah, I know. I'm trying to juggle a few less. Like my eyes look really tired and bad on here. I'm not sure if people can see this or it's just voice, but I do look tired because I only got, I don't know. I actually did all right. I got like six or seven hours sleep last night. Six hours. What do you, what do you average um, sleep-wise? Like what do you think you function well on? I think six, I'm pretty dialed. Like at the end of New Zealand, I was probably getting like five hours a night, but that isn't enough <coughs> for a couple of weeks especially when you're trying to train loads, five hours isn't quite enough. So yeah, it was probably a month where I averaged like five or six hours, but I'm trying to be better at like resting and sleeping. Like we're training so good now. I want to be better at um, sleeping would be my number one goal. So yeah, I need, I need more sleep. So is your coach not on you for two? I mean, once you're putting load in with, whether you think you can survive on six hours, once you're putting physical load in and mental stress, I mean, I, I honestly think you've got to get up to eight, you know, like and make it a priority. Yeah, it definitely should be a priority, but we've just been busy coming off sea altar and sorting everything with the team. And yeah, I'm like, I reckon I'm like a week out. I always say this. I'm a week out of like dialed sleep and stuff. And yeah, the trainer will be happy then because yeah, <laughs> that's how we work on, but we're getting there. What, um, when did you get into being this sort of dedicated with your training and stuff? Because you're always a guy that rode your bike like a ton. And I remember the Surrey Hills, like you always had the skill, always had the motivation, but I don't know if you had it sort of, sort of in a pile, you know, and structured. Yeah, I don't know. Just as you get older, you get wiser, hopefully. And I had one really good year where I had Ari, Ari Barrett, I couldn't even remember his name then, old racer. He trained me one year and came overseas and <clears throat> we were really structured that year and I actually got my first ever podium that year. So I guess it, it does work when you're structured and you're dedicated to, yeah, like you say, we always train, we always ride lows, but having it so well. We had that really good year with him. Then I got hurt, unluckily, at a race. We had another good year. I podiumed the year after as well. And then, yeah, I probably didn't have him for a couple of years, just busy growing the team, whether I was trying to or not, it did. And then... I don't know. I just saw Luca doing really well. And I know his trainer through Elliot Jackson, Jarrett Kolich. I can never say his name. And I literally got home after what year was last year? 22. So I got home at the end of 21 season. And I remember riding up to like this place near where we live in Hazelmere, just riding up the hill, just like for a cruise ride out. I was like, geez, like I got pretty close at the end here. Like, how can I really do better? And I was like, shit. I don't know why it seemed like a cool like dream. I was like, I like California. Maybe I just like go like not fancy, but like I'll get this sick trainer and I'll try real hard. And I was like, so I was like, yeah, I'm going to reach out. So I messaged Luca first, actually. I was like, hey, I hope you don't mind. Like I know Jarrett really well. Do you mind if I message him about some training? And just decided to go all in. Like he's not cheap either, but like in a good way, that makes you like respect him. Well, you're like, right, I'm paying this money. I've got to go to America and do the testing. I've got to do this. You like really invest. Don't you do it. It makes you do it really good. So last year and this year, but I had a couple of years before. But I've always trained, but having like a dedicated program and you don't miss it. I did intervals yesterday that I did not want to do. I did probably six hours on my laptop yesterday. And then I was like, don't want to do these. Actually, I'm looking forward to these and I got them done. And um, I don't know, because you know there's a guy watching and he's going to look like I upload the power stats to Garmin or Training Peaks, whatever it is. I know he's going to look at it and you're like, fuck, I've got to like, not just impress him, but I've got to do it. You know, it's like on the thing, do not miss it, do it. So... Yeah, it's good. I, I was gonna, I was gonna ask if you invest in yourself and you put that sort of money in. It kind of also keeps you accountable because you don't want to piss the money down the drain. So you Dude, sort yeah, of you're not just spending money for nothing. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I mean, I've always when I see people with your type of talent or you know a Brendan, right? <clears throat> Excuse me, mm. he's like a classic case. 
And I think I'm just going to leave him to be him, right? That's what makes him tick. But if he, you he are going to go down the gym this morning, the... did he? <laughs> he did come to the gym this morning. No, like what I was going to get is yeah, like someone that really goes down the racing route. Like I find it a disservice to yourself if you don't tick all the boxes for your type of personality. Even though you're all over the show and you want to ride every bike and you're going to film, you're going to vlog. I, it's cool to hear you like, cool, let me get the trainer. He's going to help sort of guide me. He can take care of the training decisions so I can do my emails. And then I know I've got to go out and, and get this job done, you know? That's it. I don't have to think about it. Literally, I'm like, right, I'm ready. I open my phone. It says, warm up for this long. This is how long your intervals are. Warm down for this. Done. I don't have to work out, should I go here and ride? Should I go there? Should I do this? And however boring it is, I do all the intervals just on a static bike on the driveway. Like I have a feedback, like the rollers, you know, that everyone warms up at the World Cup. I have a power crank on my like gravel, cyclocross, whatever pivot, vault, road bike it is. So I don't have to drive anywhere. Like you save so much time, set the bike, like the bike set up. It's always just like on it. I literally walk outside, put some shoes on, do the warm up, do your intervals, warm down, you're done. You waste not a minute, dude. They like take 55 minutes and they're done. And you're like, yo, it's actually pretty sick. Like, it's kind of enjoyable. Like, you're like, when I'm done, I'm done. And you just bang them out. Like, even in New Zealand, when I had intervals, we've got amazing trail running there. And you could try and do them on a trail or this or that. But I just did them in the garage with a cool view. I just banged them out. Like, it was way easier just to do them there. And then ride for fun when you can ride for fun. How horrible are they while you're doing that? And then the minute they're done, you just like... For me, pure ecstasy. You're just like, dude, the I feel better done, like, and I'm just so glad they're done. Yeah, did you not, not like I'm the man, but you're like, yeah, I've done them because I used to be like pretty, I would train, but I was nothing like I do now. I'm like, shit, yeah, I've got this. Like mentally, like after yesterday, I'm like, right, when's the first race? You know, I'm like so ready mentally to like turn up at the first race because I've done the intervals because, yeah, in my head, I believe I'm quite a good rider, which you have to. And then once you've done the intervals, you're like, dude, I am not leaving anything to chance here. Like I've got good bikes. I've got good everything. I'm doing the work. There's no way we can't do well. You know? <laughs> but like thinking that going to a race is sick. No, it is. I, that, that was one of my reasons to push people. Like it helps with your confidence. Like you, you know, you're building your confidence, you know, you're clearly like a self-confident guy, which is great. Like I look up to that and, and maybe sometimes Loic Bruni speaks about maybe not being that, you know, he doubts himself, but once you go, well, I've done all the training. I know I'm on the good equipment. Like, what? Like, why would you not go there and say, well, I've done all the work. You know, the rest is up exactly. to how this race unfolds. Like, I think it really builds your confidence if you're able to tick your training, you know. Definitely. Even Jarrett says that the trainer, he'll even say, like, yeah, he's building me a good program. But half of the training is then just turning up thinking you've done it or knowing you've done it. Like, yeah, you do get fitter and stronger. But it's almost like a byproduct of just building your mental strength, like, Dude, I'm the man. I've done every bit of training now. There's no way I can't win. <laughs> you know, like it is. Even he says like half yeah, of it then true. mentally. That you just yeah you know yeah you're and fit, like you do know you believe strong, in attack? Yeah, do you believe in like if you're able to do hard stuff like the small stuff doesn't really worry you like you know if you're able to do intervals which you know you didn't want to do like I think that builds that sort of grit for other walks of life or Dude, you're at a race and you're like oh these conditions suck I don't want to I mean most riders don't want to guard in some of that crap conditions right but if you if you know well I get out of bed and I do gym I get out of bed and I do all my intervals I might as well get out of here and get get stuck in you know Dude, 100%. It makes everything easier, whether it's doing emails, doing this, doing that. You're right. Like, 
it teaches you so much like anything that's hard through life you know it just teaches you to try harder <laughs> like at the minute we're dealing with it worldwide probably you everyone car dealers builders everything at the minute i'm finding so tough to get anyone to work and just, just try harder or like the guy that's put a new light in the kitchen hasn't put it central it's three inches off i'm like just stop try a little bit harder and just do do it straight would you but <laughs> just, I think, like, what, training, what did we used to say in surrey just do better. your job it was always like yeah, a joke just, just like what is your job just do that do that do that and just be better just please try a bit but we're trying it's weird because in our job we're literally trying to be the best in the world but a builder comes around your house he's probably not trying to be the best builder in the world <laughs> but it teaches you a lot i think we are literally sat in the driveway doing intervals trying to be the best in the world which is a cool i'm really privileged to be able to try and do that i feel lucky that i'm in the position to try at least try and be the best in the world and um yeah learn stuff and go pretty hard <laughs> well i mean I, I mean, you are privileged and lucky, definitely. We all are, like, if you're able to get to races and get the experience. But you're 100% self-made, this team, like, all this sort of stuff. Would you have ever thought you'd be running a team but able to perform at this level as well? Because I know it kind of, for you, it happened, I don't know, it seems like it happens organically. You, you got offered yeah, to guess, yeah. maybe run the team. But look at where it is now, man. You've got, you had the junior world champ, you've got, these Eddie Masters, Matt Walker, these guys that can perform at EDRs and downhills. You've got yourself. I mean, the list goes on for Dude, what yeah, looks like a loosely run program. Yeah, well, I think people think it is. Hopefully it looks pretty good at the World Cups now with the big pits and stuff. But um, yeah, it's it's wild how it's happened. I never thought it would get this big and good. We're like, we're the number one enduro team in the world last year. Um, True, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we won that. Mm. Jenna was world champ. Morgan won an enduro. We're the most watched gravity team in like media on YouTube. Like for race vlogs, we got four point three million views, which is roughly three million ahead of any other team, which is quite a quite a stat to like pull out on any other team. I'm sure they're going to try and catch up this year because you can't be falling three million views behind us because don't know, just not that smart. I don't think. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't. I honestly don't know how it happened, really, or yeah, thought it would, but. Well, it's how hard did it work, happen? I guess, but I don't know, dude. Pivot, Chris Kakalis, mad respect to him. He trusted me years ago when I came to him with the idea of running the team. And um, yeah, I don't know. It just kept going. Like, I look at businesses, I never tried to grow a business. Like, when I see people now, 20 employees that want to grow it to 50, I'm like, why? Just, just chill. You're good. 20 is plenty, you know? Like, it wasn't like I ever tried to build a team bigger or tried to, like, do this. It's just happened and happened and happened. Like, I remember Pivot like, hey, what do you think about Enduro? And I was like, yeah, I could run the Enduro team for you. I'll find a guy. We found Eddie, you know, and then we expanded and then we found Morgan. And yeah, almost honestly by accident, I think. like We kind of just had the team. I just wanted to keep traveling in a van and not be on someone else's schedule. <clears throat> so the team started and then, yeah, I don't know. It's built, which is kind of wild now. And I've always knew I could do good as well. And then last year it all started falling into place. I think just doing more time laps, hanging out with Danny Hartmore. He's so dedicated to the race course and seeing what he does and just being old and wiser. you like, okay, let's listen. Let's see what other people are doing. And then, yeah, you can like learn from either running a team point or racing as well and trying to be better at that. And it's way more fun doing racing when you do good. Like I've realized that when you do good at races, it's way, way more fun. <laughs> but yeah, no doubt. It's pretty, it's pretty grueling when you're not getting the results you expect from yourself or the teams do. It's grueling being on the road, right? It is way more fun. It's not the be all and end all, 
No. You've got to have you've got to have a good attitude, even if you're racing, not to your potential. Yeah. But that's interesting. You mentioned Danny. Yeah, he's definitely the epitome of like that's what he's going to do, and he's going to pay for a trainer. Yeah. He's got some great racecraft, and it's you know always testing. You know, like how Loic tackles his racing. You know, which is yeah, which is really interesting for you doing all these things and then able to keep up with these guys. Like, like at what point do you think? Okay, hang on. Maybe if I was single-minded focus only on racing, I'd do better. Or do you think your personality would it wouldn't work for you? I know what you mean. Like, yeah, I need to be busy, so I'm not thinking about the track too much or this or that. But I think I'm pretty good now at race week. Like trying to not turn off the other stuff, just having hopefully everything dialed enough. Barney, my mechanic, super good. So he's like, I don't need to worry about that. You know, he's dialed there. The other mechanics are pretty dialed now. Everyone's pretty good. My brother Boris is there. He's tackling a lot of stuff. Emily's super helpful. So like, as long as I've planned well enough on race week, there isn't a lot to do for me. So hopefully everyone can do all of their stuff and I really can just concentrate on race week. For sure, the last two nights I've stayed up to midnight working after I got home from Sea Otter and that would have been really nice to get some sleep. But I haven't woken up with jet lag at all. I struggled to wake up this morning, which normally you wake up at 4 a.m. when you get home. So... I don't know, six and two threes, that's kind of, would have liked to get a bit more sleep but for so I could train harder today. But um, it could do better there. But I think on race weeks, we're pretty dialed now. And this year, I've got more help coming in as well because we've done well. We've got a bigger budget and things like that, which is cool. So, yeah, I don't know if so I'd do, do better you, if I had no team management you, issues. Like when I, I drove with you guys, I think, to Innsbruck, and you're obviously banging out emails and stuff. Do you think you're getting better at blocking it out on a race week? Like maybe you check for fires, but otherwise do you maybe not look at emails and try not deal yeah. with bullshit and you just focus Dude, yeah. on the race? Because like, I've asked Greg that as well. Greg's got a lot of like uh, hands in a few pies, but I think if you're looking at emails, it distracts you a little bit and, and your mental energy goes somewhere else. So maybe like you say, with age, you're trusting the team you built um so maybe you're not actually as busy in the times that you need to be focused 100 percent, dude i'm definitely doing less emails in a race week because i'll just be i'm more efficient like yesterday i really i struggled with procrastination you know scrolling on your phone instagram instagram a couple of emails instagram for an hour a couple of, like yesterday i was super dialed at just do your bloody work once you've done your work you can go do your tools you can go hang out with lada the dog like do whatever you want and in race weeks so i'm definitely I'm definitely way better than I ever was for doing emails and days. And like the vlogs, people worry about that, but they're actually pretty helpful. Like <clears throat> I'll put all the footage in. Some days I'll cut it. Some days I'll barely cut, dude. Like a long edit for a race day would be 15 minutes. Take me to edit it. That'd take, be a long one. Some days it will take five. But you uh, do it yourself. You didn't get, you didn't yeah, get do someone on the myself, team to yeah. help you. Why no, don't you outsource I'm, that? You can't. The Wi-Fi is never good enough. You literally can't outsource it because I'd have to upload all the footage, send it to someone, download it or re-upload it to YouTube. And my vlogs are out within an hour after practice. It would never, ever happen. You'd be the next day. So pointless. You know, if you're trying to make money or do it good. But we use a lot now. I'll watch the GoPro back. If it takes long, it's because I'm watching all the GoPro for lines. So people think I'm editing, which I guess I am. Really, I'm just watching each practice run through the day and I'm dialing the lines in. I'm like, okay, let's just quickly check there. I went left there, I went right there. So even though you're kind of like editing, replaying your practice runs, dude, literally it's without so helpful. having to force you to do it in your head, you're like, oh yeah, I you remember know, like, that run. Riders, it wasn't, didn't feel that good. Let's quickly check the left. Okay. Yeah, like a lot of riders will watch GoPro at the end of the day. 
I'm watching GoPro and then just clicking upload to YouTube afterwards. <laughs> really? Make, they're making <laughs> a bank, man. <laughs> Dude, honestly, yeah. I can't believe more people aren't doing it. I think we'll see some more this year. I think Dean's already on it. And uh, yeah, when writers uh, ask me how much I make, I'm super honest with them. I'll tell them exactly how much and I don't know why they're not doing it. <laughs> so, yeah, but I yeah. mean, you want to do it. You've got this good attitude. I never wanted to do it. Um, and and that's the catch twenty two. When I watch some riders, like I, like if you're focusing on that, you're distracting yourself from something else. But you, we're just going to keep coming back to it. I think you're really learning how you're wired. You know, it works for you. Yeah, it just doesn't work exactly. for someone else. That's got, you know, like I'm a, a I'm an inbox zero kind of guy mostly. Unless there's this one or two things I like, I know I don't need to do it, and I'll kind of get to it. But like WhatsApp emails, I'm like trying to get to zero, which is like a dangerous game. But you're probably not that guy. You probably can have unread emails like 300 and it won't affect you, right? Yeah, definitely. Or like yesterday I forwarded 10 to me. So today they're at the top of the thing. The 10 I didn't do, so I just quickly forward them because they're like scattered out from like three days ago. Forward them all to the top and I'll get mm. them after this in a minute. But yeah, no, I won't have a zero inbox probably ever in my life. <laughs> like, what's that? <laughs> Dude, I, I talked to him the other day. Like you wake up in the morning now because we deal with time zones. You got five WhatsApp messages. You got five DMs, ten yeah. emails, five iMessages, and five Facebook Messenger. Even if you wrote back, okay, mate, sounds good to those thirty messages or whatever, there's still twenty minutes have gone. You know, like it's a big job every morning these days in like modern society, and especially in my world. Like I'm trying to get an assistant at the minute. I'm going to try and hire one because just for like invoicing like i do all the invoicing for the team surely someone else can do that for me you know like all of these jobs like simple ones there's a lot like yesterday i had to deal with liat and pivot and it's stuff they're trying to ask okay does bernard kerr want to do this i can't give that to anyone else it's about me no, or fair to enough. To yeah but a lot of the little jobs we could try and outsource to someone i mean for 100 me. from what i'm hearing it's it's 100 you should be outsourcing some of the mundane stuff that you don't really need to do or want to do even though it costs you money you're buying back your time, which you can spend Dude. with Laudaman, or you can Dude, go literally. bike more or motocross more. So I think from what I'm hearing, that's super key. Like, yeah, you're going to be like, oh, i got to pay this amount no, to a person that does time. something easy. It's like, no, dude, time is freedom. So you just want to use... I said this to my mom. Use your money younger. to buy back your time. Dude, when I was 18, I had all of the time in the world. I like rode, didn't really train too much, could do whatever I want. I had no money. Literally, I probably had like 100 quid to my name each month if I was lucky. From like 18 to 22, you know, like no money. But I could do whatever I want. Now, I have quite a bit of money. I make good money. But I have yeah, no as you time, should. dude. Dude, I have zero time. <laughs> like, I don't go on holiday. I don't do anything but ride, train, talk to Barney in the garage because he's building bikes today for the season and everything. He's killing it. And yeah, do emails. Like, I was on the phone for three and a half hours yesterday throughout the day. Laptop for six, like do your intervals, went dirt jumping. Dude, I was up to a bit like, yeah, I want to buy back some time and I'm happy to invest in it. It's just finding someone that fits with me and the team. Yeah, exactly. You've got to find your fit, but 100% you can. You need to outsource. I'm, yeah, you need to outsource those things. I get the same. I'm sitting here banging emails, the bike shop, planning trips, and then I look at my, I look outside, sun's shining. I'm like, I'm a bike rider. What am I doing Dude. on this laptop for so long? But I it is part of the, it's the nature of the beast. But yeah, I think, 100%. have you heard of this deep work, which you've said, okay, I put my phone away, I do my emails. Sometimes you just got to do that. It's called deep work. It's like prioritizing in the modern world is very difficult. And then there's another it thing is. called batching, which is, 
okay, I'm not going to look at all the five social medias and shit right now. I'm going to have half an hour where I only do Instagram and Facebook, blah, blah, blah. It'll take you quicker than when you switch applications and stuff. So I yeah, think there's that. 100%. But from what I can hear, man, we got to get your assistant. ASAP. Dude, I know. Honestly, and, and they just that do is... all the easy, mundane stuff, dude. Oh, dude, all the shit. I'm, I'm trying to get better at like even like I'll have coffee in the morning and I'll go on Instagram for like ten or fifteen minutes on purpose to scroll. I'm like, right, you got to this time, enjoy yeah. it. Just chill out, just mundane scroll. Right now, you've done that. Let's get to the jobs. Let's do this. Or some days I'll like be distracted. I'm like, shit, what am I gonna do? And I'm like, right, just go outside and kick around for ten minutes with the dog in the driveway. Right, back to it. Or like speak to Barney. Or so I'm trying to get better at that. But assistant. It's the number one thing that I'm trying to work on right now. And then, then we'll cool. have some well, time and we'll be chilling. We can do more wheelies and shit. In the well, road. you can do more wheelies. You can learn to whip a motocross bike even more. When? Like, yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> you're annoying a lot of the mountain bikers. Like, <laughs> I hope so. I, I, have really to give you, I have to give you props. Like, you've clearly been working on it because I'd say that's officially a whip on a motocross bike that I saw yeah, on Instagram. I, I hope that's a whip now, yeah. I don't know. Like, I kind of got good at them a couple of years ago. Then, dude, last year I rode zero moto. I had a brand new KTM I bought. I put 11 hours on it in a year. But no. I was just, like, dedicated to riding downhill, dude. I rode so much downhill. I trained. I did my intervals. I did more time laps. I honestly, I copied Danny Hart. Like, thank you, Danny. I've seen what you've done, and I'm copying you because he's <laughs> And then you smoked him. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> what can you do? Sorry, Danny. Um, but yeah, I've always been able to kind of whip one now for a few years. But I've got, I'm like, uh, I signed a contract with KTM for this year. So I'm an official ambassador. You are not. From them. Yeah, I have like a full, a full contract with KTM, which is pretty cool. Through a guy that used to work at Fly Racing. He's now the VP of KTM North America. Austria got in touch with them. He put my name forward. Austria phoned me. And, um, okay, yeah, awesome. so so it's 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 in your best interest to do some content for them, and you're going to be posting a, about. I that have a full contract like with an amount of bikes, a certain what? amount of money, and yeah, it's like a full like paid contract with them to create content. I have to do like ten YouTube videos or twelve Instagram posts through the year or whatever it is. Yeah, and um, yeah, I get bikes in New Zealand and bikes here, which is pretty cool. So well, that's fun, but yeah. That's is so there a, is there, there a road yeah, to yeah. supercross with them? Are they going to support if you ever do I don't try know. do that Maybe supercross again thing day. again? Maybe one day. I'm not sure yet. For now, just just create some cool content. Hopefully, I can do some stuff with Manny because the new enduro bikes come out soon. So I'm going to maybe go to Austria and do some stuff on those with KTM and Manny. And um, that's another really cool opportunity that's come out of. That's definitely like who you know, like Doug, the guy from that was at Fly is now at KTM, really helped. And I guess they went through my socials, like what they saw. And YouTube again, man. YouTube is really, without the um, YouTube, without a KTM contract right now. But, well, what yeah, are you averaging on, on a, what are you averaging per video? Or what do you, what metrics per month? What do you look at? I don't know. I probably get 30,000 a video roughly, but. Yes. And you do like, how as many? As long as I get 20K, I'm hyped. 20K uh, a video is like a decent number. Yeah. As long as doing like 20, one or two care. a week some weeks i'll do one i'll probably do a minimum of one it might be like some days when i'm real slow i'll do one in 10 days but then at world cup i'll do four or five in a week like i'll bang one yeah because that's easy to make content but does it does it not a pain in the ass when you're home just doing intervals on a stationary bike and walking your dog like what dude you I've, can't then you got to come up with bullshit ideas you don't need to come up with ideas though because mine's an lsd a lifestyle documentary so it's just my lifestyle 
I filmed one of mowing the lawn last year. Like people, that's just what we got up to. <laughs> you that day. did not. Yeah, dude. Like Pilgrim and Bren, I feel like they're TV presenters now. Like Pilgrim does do some vlogs, like now and again, but ninety percent of his videos aren't a vlog. They're like today is the free bike challenge. Today we're gonna ride a bed down some stairs. Mm. Today we're gonna build a drift trike. It's it's kind of a vlog. He's more he's like welcome to the Sam Pilgrim show. I feel like you know, like yeah. today on the show we're doing this for us. I'm just like. Right, today we're going to dovey, we're doing this, we're doing that. I'm going to put my shoes on. It really is a vlog, like a blog of my day, a video blog of the day. Half the time the it's weekend. pointed at the garage floor, the one I watched. I was like, this camera's, he Dude. didn't even edit this. It's pointing at the floor. Dude, what could you I do? love that. Like, yeah, well, people who know cares? What getting. Exactly. Yeah, Honestly, well, like, yeah, you set the bar low in the beginning. As and low as you're I can. A, yeah, well, I mean, that's great. You don't have to but then live I enjoy up to it, any dude. expectations. I like Growing up, we watched this movie called Kevin and Perry. I don't know if you've ever seen it. They go on holiday to Ibiza with their family. I've heard the name. Yeah. They're trying to go shagging and stuff. And I always loved that they took this video camera and like documented it. I always, always wanted to be like Kevin and Perry. And um, I had this good camera I got years ago from my mum for Christmas. I've actually got it here somewhere. And then now I kind of just am back to that. I just document what I do on sick trips, like all these cool places we get to go, sick races we get to go to. And I just film on a GoPro and an iPhone. We do have a dad cam we rarely use anymore. And um, that's it. Like people, I'm so stoked and can't be people watch it. So thank you everyone that does watch them. But it's just what we get up to. Dude, it's no like, oh, let's do that shot better again. If I drop the GoPro, I've dropped the GoPro. Like everyone drops a camera. Everyone needs to tie their shoes. Like it is real life. So hopefully people like that, but it's not changing anytime soon. I get so many emails now like, hey, let me edit your videos for you. I can make it way more professional. Hey, let me do your thumbnails. Let me do songs on it. Like, dude. For one, I don't have time to upload it to you and re-download it. Two, I don't care. I just like it how it is. And you're gonna take some money, so why? Mate, <laughs> send send those guys my way because I'm outsourcing. <laughs> I want to outsource YouTube. You heard it here first. I want to get these <laughs> interviews and this this could be a clip. I want it on YouTube. But to your point, I just think about the sports we watch, right? So you're obviously a motocross fan. I am as well. Uh, I obviously watch golf, like. If you're not at an event, you want to be in the locker room. You want to know what's what's behind the scenes. Like, what did the guys say to each other? So exactly. you take them into your pits. You're walking past Loic Bruni maybe and giving him a bit of shit. Like, that's why they it's authentic, number one, obviously. But it's they're, they're behind the scenes. You actually are giving such value for a person that can't get to a race. And even if they get to the race, they're not allowed in your pits, right? Yeah, or in so the bus or like to make fun of Eddie, yeah. Yeah, like they're looking over the thing. They're like, oh, there's Bernard. That's cool. Like might get a signature. You might you might be able to give him 30 seconds of your time. Hey, how's it going? I know you're friendly, but you can't give him 15 minutes or yeah, you can't exactly. give everyone 15 minutes. So it is pretty cool. Are, block, you gonna yeah. be, are you going to be able to allow to do those moving forward with the new organization? Okay, they just changed the rule, to- yeah. They were, they were trying to make it not more than three minutes a day on the track for practice. So that's what they were trying to enforce. Mm-hmm. But we've got a new document lately, which I'm pretty sure, reading it correctly yesterday, is that I can show as much practice as I want again now, which is awesome. So I can show as much as I want yeah. around the pits, as much practice as I want, but I'm not allowed to film any race runs. For some reason, yeah. they think me filming a race run is going to take away from their live feed, whereas I hope it would bring more people to it. Or someone might watch the live feed, then watch my vlog or watch my vlog. I'm like, Do you know what? I am going to buy GCN. I want to see his race run. But for some reason, they think, me filming the race run is going to take away from it. So I am not allowed to film a single race run this year. So no one gets to see that, which sucks. 
And if they tell me to wear a camera, I'm going to try and refuse because, I mean, the cameraman answered there for free, so I don't, don't want to film for free. But in the enduro, you get fined 500 euros if you don't wear a camera and they ask you to, which is pretty insane. So if they bring that in, hopefully all us riders can unite and say we're not just getting made to wear cameras for free. It's like it's not slave labor, but you're making us work for free. You're not making a camera guy work for free. So at the minute, it looks like no finals will be able to be filmed on a GoPro. And the old rules with Red Bull, you were there was a few people that were allowed GoPros, or you could also do your own camera. What was the old versus this? The Which old is good. rule. So it's good that you was, can do practice. You can do vlogs. I think that's awesome that we bring as many many people to that. it. Yeah. Everyone could always do that. And race runs, technically, I think the UCI and Red Bull were sneaky, or the UCI, whoever it was, because it said that you had to be asked or you could ask to film a run, like your finals run. But it said the only limiting factor was the number of cameras they had. But everyone has a camera now. I don't know if that was an old rule that was there 10 years ago where literally no one had a GoPro. So you did have to ask Red Bull, hey, could I use one of your cameras today for finals? So technically, if you'd asked, they were supposed to grant it to anyone if you had mm. your own camera. Like if you're like, hey, can I film finals today? And you ask the right guy, which they didn't make publicly easy at all to know who that was. But if you could find out who that was, or you knew the guy, I would just ask every week. It wasn't like they put, they started putting me on the list in the end because they knew Bernard wanted to do it every week or Jenna wanted to do it every week. But to start with, I'd just find the guy, I'm like, yo, can you put me on the list this week? They chuck me on the list. Yo, can you put me on the list this week? Because their whole excuse and the whole thing was we don't have enough cameras for everyone to do it. But Everyone has their own camera. So as long as you asked, they would say yes. Like I yeah. never got turned down once bar snowshoe finals. I didn't have it on annoyingly because the, <laughs> your best run ever. The UCI people, they're pretty dreadful sometimes and they don't know what's going on. No, no, you can't have that. No, I'm on the list. I'm on the list. Wow, well, you're not on my list. Oh, I trust me. I'm on the list. I saw the guy this morning. But a lot of the time, the, the, the breakdown of communication between Red Bull and the UCI is dreadful or was. Not, I don't know whose fault it was, Red Bull or UCI. Someone's fault there was a breakdown, especially that day, which was kind of annoying. But who knows? Maybe I wouldn't have done as good with a GoPro. Maybe I would have won. But yeah, that run was just a mistake. But otherwise, anyone supposedly that asked was allowed to run one. So I can understand why they're doing it. I'm sure you can understand. You're like, okay, I see their side. They're trying to sell this broadcast. They're trying to like own everything. I, if I'm honest, and I can't you understand saying, it. Okay, so you can't even, no, I'm, you can understand what they're doing. You just don't have to agree with it. I don't agree with it either because I think there's a happy medium where we maybe work together, get the footage out there, and then it pushes you back to become a fan. That's what you yeah, say. I like, hey. If, I don't know if they said, like, guys, you can you can film your run uh, and you've got to delay it 24 hours on your YouTube or whatever. I, don't, I was I about to say, what if, they, what if how... there's a delay? Yeah, but I don't understand why me putting a GoPro out that night doesn't encourage people to go and watch the live feed. Like if I watch Ken Roxon and someone I see Ken Roxon's winning lap on a 450, instantly now I want to go watch the live feed. Personally, that's only my opinion. That might not be everyone's, but I'm like, shit, I want to see the live feed of this now. So I could be wrong there. But I don't know whether they could just be like, guys, we're all going to run it and we'll incentivize it. If you get a top five, you get a grand for your GoPro run. Like you guys get to use it, we get to use it. Or if it's, you get top 10, you get 200, whatever it is. But I don't see why they think I'm going to run a camera now if I can't use it. Like I'm going to point back refuse. If I can't use it, why am I going to run a camera for someone else? Like I say, their cameramen are getting paid. I'm about to become a cameraman. If they make me run a camera, why am I not getting paid? 
you know? Yeah, you, you ask them, what's the win-win here? You winning by getting me to run a camera in a finals run, which technically could distract my run. But don't press turn off now and again, dude. It could just go yeah, beep, beep, like, beep, 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 and turn off. Beep, beep, like, you know, you could, it could not be good, but you're willing to look past that. But then your win is like, okay, 24 hours later, three days later, when can I run the footage? Like, of course, I want to run the yeah. footage. I can understand that totally. And you've been, yeah. you've definitely been outspoken about it. What, you know, th- there are writers probably talking between each other and you've come out and said, hey, this is what I feel. This is my opinion. I want to work with you. Here's some ideas. Like you're not saying this is bad and, and Dude, shutting up. You're saying, ever, definitely. You're saying here's what I think. Here's where the problems might be. Here's where I want to work with you. So how, how has that been going now that we're creeping into, well, whenever this gets released, hopefully just before the World Cup season, like we're almost there. Um, has some of your voices been heard from a writer's point of view and and where are you at with current state of affairs i mean mine definitely hasn't been heard um i think they've they've definitely listened to a bit and taken it on board like the gopro thing as far as you're concerned was three minutes a day from practice and now i'm pretty sure reading it it's as much as we want which is awesome like mono and a bunch of the media guys have been working really hard behind the scenes with a guy from eso or discovery or warner brothers wherever it is now and i think they're really starting to get someone like right let's make this work like I think a lot of it is they just don't know. Like they're not even trying to be dicks. They just don't know. Or they're new to mountain biking, so they're trying to learn, which is awesome. It takes them time to learn. But as long as they're willing to learn and work with us, it's awesome. And I think they really are starting to in the media side of things, which is really, really great. I think the race runs, we still don't really know what's going to happen with that, or they haven't. They're either leaving it to the last minute, so we can't argue it. You know, if they say last minute, hey, actually, all we have to run a camera, it's a thousand euro fine. You know, so we're too late to argue. But they might actually be like, shit, guys, no one's going to run a GoPro for free. Should we just let everyone? But I don't know. I think some of the riders are not in a mean way, too dumb, and they'll just run it for free. They'll get asked to run a camera by ESO or Warner Brothers, and they'll be like, yeah, sure, I'll run a camera. And just do it for free. Whereas, I don't know, dude, if someone said to you right now, go outside and do wheelies up and down the street, we're going to sell tickets to it, and you get no money, and you got to film it, come with the GoPro after. You're not going to do that, are you? You'd be an idiot. No, if you put it that simply... I think more Dude, people hey, can understand your street. point. I'm going to sell tickets and you got to wear a camera. If you don't wear the camera, we're going to fine you. Be, yeah, but you're taking all the money. You wouldn't yeah, it's do like, it. You just it sounds like a principle it. thing for me. From like you, You're also a person that's of a principle. It's not just like the money component explains the principle of what's happening. Exactly. And and if, I think that said, sometimes gets lost. Some be like, oh... Someone just wants more money and then they're like, but Bernard makes a bunch of money and he makes money from his YouTube. It's like, that's not the point. You're Dude, a professional athlete. The principle. Risking life and limb. You deserve every penny that you have managed to get as a salary, as a YouTube. You're working for that. Now no, you're going, doing your job, and then they're saying, can you do this extra job? Just on this exactly. case. That to me is an extra job. And Put honestly, the camera on said- your head, press play, make sure it records, and don't blame us if it beeps or it's heavy on your peak and your peak comes down. Literally. And, dude, all of these things. And even if they said, I don't know why they couldn't. Okay, you don't have to run a camera if you like to and you get a, a your winning run, we give you five grand for the footage. If you get a top 10 run, you get 100 bucks, whatever it is. I don't get why there's no incentive behind incentive, it. Incentive, yeah. Like, it's a principal thing. And like, hey, let's win-win. Let's incentivize both parties because then they can both work together better. Yeah. 
yeah, I'd say, hey, if you use it yourself, you don't get the money. If you don't, just any of these hundred scenarios that we could work together. But at the minute, all I know is that we can't use the footage if we film. So then why would we film? But maybe some light is like, yo, I'll film for free. So then they put it on their channel. But there's I mean, the problem. Some riders, hey, let's bo- let's boycott a race. Well, it's not that realistic because somewhere someone's going to go to the start could, line. We wouldn't need a boycott race if everyone signed a thing saying, hey, no one's running a camera until we're all allowed to use the footage or until we get paid. That'd be mm. easy enough. They, they would surely want some POV footage rather than none. But I don't think all the riders will unite on that. But that's just the main reason I have the concern I have now is POV. Everything else seems like they did a good job in Lords. Um, the screens on each side at the end looked really good. I personally love the arch over a finish, but that's just my opinion. I love an arch. Some people might not, but I think is the there going to be no arch posts. moving forward? I thought that might just be a test, and they haven't put the Dude, arch. I don't up. know. Okay, exactly. we don't know. Okay, we have no idea. But I think the screens but, are really good. They, they did a great job there. That looked really cool. I think. Yeah, and I, it seems <laughs> there were some riders being PC in some interviews, but it did Definitely. seem like. A test event is a great idea for both parties. Everyone can get together, speak in person, you know, like let's iron out a few things. Um, so that's great to hear. Where are you at on, because like, yes, they did a, from what I understand, they did two runs on the one day to mimic a semifinal and a final, but they obviously didn't have the quality. Yeah. yeah, they didn't have the quality going in. Where are you at? Because you're one of the riders that is going to really benefit from the rule change and the protection as far as it's, I understand it, and if it hasn't changed. Yeah, as far but as I understand you it. you <laughs> have clearly been outspoken, even though you're the one that could benefit from it, which I think is great that you've got someone standing up for riders, even though you're the very one that's benefited. It's like, we came into this year, we didn't know that it was going to change. I just randomly had a good year, and now I'm, going to have some advantage in 2023 whereas maybe they did a year normal and then said hey these are the potential changes this is how you get protected these are the options that in my mind would have been a bit fairer because now you're just thrown in the deep end here i would say walk before you can run and give teams chance to adapt to higher riders like when we're hiring a rider you know it could be a 30th place rider and now shit they might not make a single final this year hopefully they turn it up and they make all the finals but yeah, I really felt like hopefully my argument was valid because I'm one of the ones benefiting so much from it. And I'm saying, guys, this is really helping me, but I don't think we should do this. I was really having it like validated my argument in a way, but hopefully the new format's going to be great. They don't want to listen to a lot of our opinions on it, which is it's fine. Everyone has an opinion. They own the sport, so they're very welcome to do what they want. But... Yeah, I think it's pretty unfair. I mean, it's great for me, but that's why I was arguing against it, trying to be like, guys, as long as I'm reading the rules right, this works amazing for me. But I still don't think it should happen because I love our sport. I want it to be fair. I want this and that. But um, yeah, I think they're just kind of doing what they wanted to do, which is cool, I guess. And um, hopefully it's great, dude. I honestly, the better the sport is for me, the better it is for them. Hopefully, the better it is for me, the better it is for them. The best it is for everyone works in turn, hopefully, in a great way. So, yeah, I don't really know where they've come in and changed so much in the first year, especially as we're still not sure on loads of things and the race seasons are pretty close now. They've definitely given themselves a massive task. So, mad respect if they get it all done. But um, we definitely don't know everything still yet. <laughs> It'd be good to know everything yeah, may- and be more dialed in. 
maybe I should have led with like, I'm very positive about the future and I want the sport to grow. And, and I think as a whole, it's in very good hands. I do think internally, these people are mountain bikers and, you know, with uh, Ruri, he's like dealing with the downhill and, and, and Chris Ball say what you will. Yeah. They, yeah, the smart kid has raced. They're not going to intentionally try and maybe damage the sport. Definitely not. Right. So they had their view. Riders might have had a different one. Maybe there's a middle ground. Cool. So we've got that out in the open. Where do you think, just hypothetically, like having a beer with a mate, like not shit-talking anyone, like where do you think it's a bit unfair and maybe what would you have rather seen? Like is it the semi-final and only having 30 in the final? Is that like a worry for you? That's maybe one worry for me. Are we going to see the right people? I've said it before. Are we going to consistently see the right people in the final? And does it kind of change how the sport is a little bit? It's a hard but I think it definitely changes the nature of the sport from the one fast run to like two runs. I think we're not Formula One. I genuinely believe we have more than 30 guys that should be in a final. I think that's my biggest thing is, dude, there's so many good guys. And now and again, a good guy that's qualified 35th will do insane on finals day. Or a stack last year, I think, qualified 50-something and got ninth or 10th. That wouldn't happen now. He's out. Like... Like that's happened loads. It's happening. I did go through and tried to look at people's top, their first ever top tens. Like my first top ten in half yell, I got ninth there. I think I qualified thirty fourth, so I never would have got that. And like there was a bunch of riders last year I looked that qualified outside of the top thirty that got their first top ten. You know, not because of weather, because I obviously fail. Your old teammate won that World Cup when he qualified fifty fifth at Lords or whatever. But that was weather. You know, it does eliminate that, which could be cool. But um so many riders got their first top 10 when they qualified outside of 30 or in women quite a few women i looked at whether it was cammy or nina hoffman got their first top 10 in finals when they qualified outside of 10th which means they wouldn't qualify for finals in the new format so i think the women's ones a real shame like that's growing at the minute going in the right direction way more girls are coming into the sport and they've just made their field smaller so i think the women more so than us is a real shame that they've got to 10 for the finals like 15 was already a small number. I don't see why they couldn't have kept that. But like I said, it's my opinion. They've probably done way more stats than me and they, you would think they want the sport to be as good as it can be. They should know way more than me, hopefully. So my opinion was, yeah, definitely they should have kept the girls at at least 15. And I would have kept the guys at more personally just because I like that. Or like you came to say a minute ago, it's, we're trying to grow the sport. But when it actually comes down to it, I've talked to Finn and a bunch of people this, why? And no one wants to admit it. The only reason you want the sport to grow is more money. Like, what? what's wrong with the sport right now? I love riding my bike in the woods with my mates. I love racing. Maybe it's because I'm biased now. I, like, get a good wage. But, like, the only reason I can see to grow a sport in the professional field or the racing is to make more money. Like, I'd love to grow the sport so way more people rode. But, like, to grow the sport on TV or racing, the only benefit is more money. Like, what... I. Uh, maybe there is one. I don't see if our sport goes as big as F1 on TV, the only benefit is we get way more money. Like what? Maybe we get more jumps at tracks. Maybe we get flash VIP areas. I don't know. Like when you actually break down growing a sport, what does that mean? I well, think I was going to say, what is, it's a very broad term. Growing what? Yeah. Participation. Are you trying to make it more accessible? So growing more, yeah, viewership. Ride. Growing viewership so that more people are aware of the sport to then maybe then grow that more people get into the sport. But if you're just trying to grow the broadcast, 
You're just trying to that make might, more money. That might be one of the goals here is to go to 30. There's no surprise guy that didn't get filmed and now he's on the hot seat. Like I've heard all those arguments and I agree with it. I agree with yeah, I hear, yeah. all the sides. Like I'd love to just sit and have beers with all of you. So like I don't, I'm not shit talking. I'm just, I exactly. think you obviously have a rider hat. They've got an organization hat and a former rider. They all have done that as well. And I'm just weary because, so now you've got this growing the sport thing, which you've alluded to. Cool. That's a broad term. Let's just be honest. What are we trying to do? Okay, we're trying to grow the broadcast and hopefully that in turn brings more money into the sport so the teams can do better. I don't really know their plan. But now you're also changing the sport a little bit because it's like a two-run format. So you get into the semis. To to get to the top 30, everyone's going to have to push harder. Okay. And even the top riders, there's points. So they're going to have to push harder. And then the guy that's ranked sixth in the world is going to be probably having more crashes in the semifinal and then not making it to the final. And someone will say, well, it's the same for everyone. It's like, well, it's not because it's not the same same for the top top five five guys. It's not the same for us, no. And I'm one of them. And I say it shouldn't be this way. uh, Yeah, I'm like, hang on. One option is no protection. The sport is kind of changing and it's more two-run format and hopefully you get into the final. No protection. Have a flat tire go for to the showers early or you've got to build more opportunities to have protection to level the playing field to get the right consistent 30 in the final because that's kind of what you want is to build stories on the consistent 30 it's a very difficult challenge i think this yeah there's so many good guys in our sport it's not like f1 where you've got 20 guys it's not like golf like golf doesn't have protection but they get 18 tee shots for two rounds before they try and qualify for the weekend you know we get one run well, they tried to, uh, ESO tried can to I tell you what? Golf can I tell you what else it. they do? So, golf is quite a cool, unique one to look at because you've just mentioned they've got more chance to get in the final. But also, you've got a card, so you earn a card, and there's tiered series to get the card. When you have the card, you have injury clauses, you have win exemptions, you have all these ways that the right Dude. players will just keep their cards. So. You could, you. I would hope you could go to that point. So you've earned a card for a year or two, like exemption. So how else does a guy that's riding well earn exemption or protection? You've got to build that they, in. They just had an argument with us that golf's not protected. And I'm like, let's say they're not. They 100% they're, oh, are protected. They are. For the season. And you've got, you've got 18 tee shots. You know, it's not one lap. At F1, you don't have one qualified lap. You've got a bunch of laps to try and qualify. You know, you get to go round and round and round. We have one run. We, yeah. Our sport is motocross, dude. They've got two 10-minute sessions. They're not protected. Ken Roxon isn't. He's got two 10-minute sessions to get in. Not one yeah. lap. He doesn't get to roll out the supercross track and get one lap. It's such yeah. a unique, amazing sport. And I love it. I feel like just we've added a four-point line or like a one-and-a-half-point line in basketball. We've changed the sport, you know? Like basketball, you get one point and three point. We've, we've what, added a different What about if? Line. What about if there was like 40 spots in the finals? And qualifying the top 30 go through plus protection. And then the semifinal is not a semifinal. It's an LCQ. Or after the semifinal, you hand out another five spots and you say, cool, you 30 guys that didn't qualify, you can go up the hill again and race for five slots. Could you imagine the excitement sitting at the bottom like the LCQ? Dude, exactly. And you've got these five, like a Greg Menard crashes, not protected, Shit, we're not going to see him in the final. Well, if you just clean your bike quickly, or something, yeah. go to the top, 
and put down a run. Yeah. If you don't, cr- and if you crash again, dude, you've had two or three chances to get in there. That it, that's part of it. That was like I've just thrown some loose ideas out there, you know. Did I love the LCQ, LCQ yeah. would I, be cool. I love that, but I don't know what way to do it. I really hope they've done stats and this and that. And I know they did one about injuries, but we get injured way more in race runs technically. But whatever. I I really hope they're just so much smarter than my opinion. Not of them, but like I really like how racing was. I love what downhill was. Obviously, we're all scared of change. I completely agree with that. We're all stubborn, etc. Everyone is in life. But I feel like we have changed the sport a little from one round to two. And I feel like it's unfairly weighted to the top of the field, which I'm in. And I still think it's unfair. <laughs> so yeah. hopefully that like validates my argument. But I, I think, think you've said some super yeah. mature things yet, Bernard. Like, I hope they're smarter Thanks, than what I see. <laughs> yeah, you don't get that. And I've put it on record. It's out on the, on the interwebs. Like, you, you hope that they're smarter than what you're seeing, which they are smart well, I think, people. Yeah, I think they are. And, yeah, and, I hope it, and you're saying, I hope it works out better than my opinion. Great. You, really you're not do. saying your opinion is everything. And you're saying, I seem to be benefiting from, from, from what I can see, and I still want to protect the sport. That's who we yeah. need, having a voice Dude, for the think, riders. Yeah, and like a lot of us, like it's given me my whole life, my career. I have a house I bought off riding bicycles. Like That's unbelievably luckily and privileged, I feel like. I've been able to get to that point and like help my mum out and do all these amazing things because of what downhill has done for me. So like, I really care for the sport. I think I care too much going forward, but I really want to help and keep the sport in this amazing, great place that I think it's in because social media has done so much for our sport. You can go on Instagram, someone likes Tiddlywinks has now seen biking. Someone that normally goes kayaking is like, whoa, what's mountain biking? I think Red Bull have done an amazing job just as much as social media has. So our sport is in a very great, healthy place right now. And I think it still could be. It could be twice as good in two years from where it is. They could, they really might be on something do the best job. But some days I care too much and I get either upset or worried or, frustrated with some of these changes i hear or things that i don't think is going to be good so yeah maybe i'm too invested sometimes and i need to care a little bit less and she's like look sit back it's going to be good and i've, I've tried to do that lately me and i spoke to Loic and he's like yeah we're just gonna just trust the process stop getting frustrated at it or be like why aren't they listening to us they said this and this isn't happening or they said this is how it enter and it's not happening or whatever the case may be just Whatever happens, happens. You know, <laughs> it should work itself out. And yeah, certainly, yeah, certainly. Stop caring th- so much. Yeah, it's a tough thing, though. I, I think it's your passion, like you said, for the sport. But if it, you know, eventually, you can't complain if you don't, you know, try and make it better. You've tried. You've said your piece. You have some options. Cool. Let's go racing now. I think that's a healthy way to look at the season. And I think they've mentioned as well, like there will be some trial and error. Whether they stubbornly keep it for a year or two, or it actually works, like. Who are we to tell? Like you said, we're gonna to have to trust exactly. the process. But it's just our opinion. You mentioned yeah. a super, yeah. You mentioned a super interesting thing there. Um, you've helped out your mom, and your mom was a huge part of your family and your racing career. How does how does that feel now, being a bit older and being able to maybe reflect back on where you came yeah. from and did it's and awesome. how yeah, a like, big family effort it's been for you guys? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, we, we went bankrupt actually. My mom, like our house got repossessed and stuff when we were younger. Like when my parents split up and we were racing when I was like fourteen. So pretty like crazy now, definitely in the last year or so, like we had a real cool deal come through with Continental and our pivot deal's been growing. And like looking on it now, it's real cool like to quickly stop now and again. I'm like, whoa, we've actually done this from this. Like even if you lost everything today, we still achieved this. It's like 
pretty crazy and we had like help my mum now and she like helps me with some stuff and shipping merch and my little brother like from where we came from to like I live in quite a cool house now and I've got some cool cars like it's unbelievable and like obviously we worked hard but for my mum to be able to like make that possible through her and the sport of downhill and biking like I love biking dude if I worked at McDonald's I would still try and buy a bike on the weekend so like to be able to achieve this through biking I feel genuinely like so privileged and lucky dude like we do work hard now but it's awesome i think i appreciate it more and more every year and like try and sit like even in like morsley when they're like wow look where we are at work dude this is cool and we complain like any job when we're doing emails or traveling in an airport but no it's it's pretty awesome and like this year i've actually i've flown business class for two times i've bought business class which is the first ever time i've done that so i've been upgraded a couple times in the past like all of us when a flight gets delayed or someone loses our bags or ba messes up we get an upgrade now and again but this year i've bought two business class flights and honestly i did i sat on the plane to new zealand like so proud like really really proud like dude this is sick i've been able to do this off like biking and my mum like yeah doing everything years ago so yeah pretty sick really to finally be like getting there i guess which is cool yeah thanks for sharing that and she as i understand i mean took you to the races in your later teens and and supported yeah, like, even when you are yeah yeah she'd like marshals to get free entries and stuff yeah it's pretty cool like to see now like how far it's come and what we can achieve with it so and and now like continue to like hopefully stoke other kids out and other people or maybe there's another single mom struggling with a kid but oh we're gonna make this work so we're actually gonna try and get to more nationals this year i want to do some to like give back and just be there you know dude it's weird to talk about yourself as like a big rider but like dude if steve p turned up to a national back in the day or mark bowman or anyone dude i was so hyped like as a kid so like yeah. i want to try and make it to more nationals this year like we might even miss whistler downhill and just go to national champs like just to be there dude like i haven't raced in wales for ages or a national i'd love to do it and try and just yeah stoke more people out and and keep the the generation of young kids coming through england it is pretty surreal i mean i remember if greg Manal was going to rock up at a national when i was a kid it was it was crazy you're just like oh it's my all right but it's just factually you're one of the biggest superstars of down <laughs> at the moment. So if you rock up there or Brendan rocks up there, whether you perform or not, the kids are just in awe, you know. So if you're able to do it, it doesn't distract from your goals of the season. I think it's I think that's a brilliant idea. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. I'm really I missed the first national because we were busy the other day and we've got a bit of this and a bit of this to sort, like testing things. So um but yeah, try and make it to a few more this year. It'd be really cool, hopefully, and like hang out at those. So that'd be rad. And uh, have your goals shifted a bit? I mean, coming after a season like last year, finishing in the top five, that's a really big accolade at the end of the year. Yeah, so congrats. No Thank uh, you. Me and Warner, we and me and Warner give you enough shit on the broadcast, but we, we do it very complimentary, but we like to have a bit of banter. But, you know, you're so close to a win. And I joked on some of the podcasts because you'd say, if I win one of these things, I'm done. I'm retiring. I'll just manage this team. Do you think you would have retired or do you think you would have just... Wait, well, two things. If you had won, do you think you might have retired or is it good that you got sick and that you're like still hungry? I don't know if I would have done it. It was so fun doing good last year, like doing good. That was such a weird race though because even in my head, I had this half here and this half here and every fan that came up to me that day, which was amazing, thanks to everyone, I had 50% there. I had 50% that was like oh my God, well done. Bernard, you're the man. Like that was so sick. Well done. You killed it. 50% of them came up. Oh, so close. And in my head, I was like, oh, that's amazing. Best result of my life. Oh, you were so close. It was the most weird 
surreal thing because half of it was the best thing ever and half was like I was this fucking close, dude. I was so like <laughs> point four. Like, are you serious? Even now, dude. Every time I talk about it, I get super hyped. I laugh. I get frustrated. It was awesome, but um, yeah, I probably would have raced. Like, I actually did my contract negotiations. Our deal was up at the end of last year. Hell of a year to have your contract up. Oh, like in, well in done there. <laughs> <laughs> Timed it well. I'd actually done my negotiation before, and um, well, no, I asked Pivot for a figure before for myself and the team and after i got second at that race i didn't ask for a dollar more but i didn't take a hit i was like the price is the price and chris the owner we had like an hour phone call backwards and forwards about i was like chris (laughs) i'm not asking (laughs) you for any more money i'm going to stay with what i've stayed because that's what i believe i'm worth and what i'm happy with i'm content with that and they pay us well and i was like this is genuinely what i think i'm worth and i've just done really good at a race almost won a world cup i did back-to-back podiums at the next ones I'm not going to ask you for any more money, but I'm staying firm on what I'm asking for. So we signed a contract and I don't know, I really want to race this year. Like I'm so, I've been more motivated for training this year than last year because I did good. I'm like, right, let's go even harder. We can, we can do this and pivot working on some new stuff and Conti Reynolds, all us wants to work on new products, which is cool. And um, yeah, I definitely will race this year, but we'll see. Dude, if I, I'm in the place I think I'm in right now and how could I feel with, with everything coming. I'd like to win a race this year. That's the plan. Win a race and then, I don't know, dude, this is my 16th World Cup season. My 16th. That's a lot of seasons. I how could... old are you now? 32. So, so you're turning 33 this year? No, next next February. I just okay, turned so 32. Okay, so you turned 32. Yeah, that's, a, just... you know, for downhill, it's not, you're not one of the young guns. Dude, I'm one of the old guys, one of the oldest yeah, guys. Yeah, 100%. I retired at 32. That was my last year. So, but if you're yeah. getting these results, like you said, it's quite a cool feeling. Like you can understand why Greg goes on so long. If he still can tick off a win every second season, sponsors are still paying it. you because you can get on the podium. Like, why do you retire? And what you else know, are you doing? It's, like, it's an just interesting walk around thing. the street? I don't know. I'm lucky I've got Yeah, the his team. golf's not good enough to retire yet. He needs to exactly. stick that up. <laughs> I don't know, dude. I could go on, I don't really go on holiday, so I wouldn't mind going on holiday. Like in New Zealand as well. Like I wouldn't mind just cruising around the South Island for four days. But like when you're training hard, dude, you're not cruising. You're like, dude, I can't take four days off. Like I went to Milford Sound one day, but one day. Like I wouldn't take a three day trip in New Zealand or a four day trip to the coast. Like we're, tr- we're there to ride and train. And yeah, like if you watched through my YouTube or Instagram, you're like, he is living the best time ever. And we really did. We had. Dude, New Zealand was a movie. It was unreal. Like we had a great yeah, time. Yeah, but riding, you don't film all the intervals and all the shit that you have to deal with. Exactly. So, and we're only young once. You only get to live once. I honestly, I don't know. If we tick off that win this year, it might be it. We'll see. I'm gonna go hard, dude. I'm I'm all in to win a bloody World Cup this year. Let me tell you, we've got there close. You I know it takes. Yeah, exactly. You got. It's not like you're talking from nowhere. You're talking from second position. You know, splits yeah. behind it. Yeah, dude, and like, yeah, fifth in the overall last year, I think was almost better than the second, if I'm honest. Like, getting fifth in the overall is, like, when people are like, oh, yeah, you did one good race, dude. I got fifth, like, even saying I got fifth in the overall is so gnarly. Like, I'm I'm pretty hyped now. I saw Clay the other day, actually, in New Zealand, and he came up and said, dude, I got, I just realized, I remember, I haven't seen you since. You got fifth in the overall. And, like, even Clay saying, you know, someone I've looked up to for a long time, it, like, really drills at home. I was like, dude, thanks, man. Like, yeah, I'm really, really, really proud of that, so. 
You think about yeah, those movies we probably yeah. both watched where there's that, that cool music and they're handing out those glass things and CG's getting his... You know, Dude. like you were one of those guys getting the overall at the end of the movie, right? That we were like, wow, after all that fun I, know, I didn't get watched. a glass trophy, though. I, really? I talked, dude, this is funny, driving to Valdezol, I actually stopped on the motorway and I bought two Magnum champagne bottles on the way to Valdezol for World Cup finals. And I didn't tell anyone, no one knew. I was like, dude, I'm betting on myself this week. I'm going to buy two Magnum champagnes. Really? For like 300 no euros, whatever they were. And... Um, yeah, took them. I hid them in my van all week in like my my camper and put them in the fridge on race day or the night before race day. I put them in the fridge. Who knew about in my it? Camper besides no you. Didn't tell a soul. No, no one on the team anyone. knew. No, dude. I hid them in like my That's like camper van thing. And I was like, I'm dude. We're gonna need these this week. I don't know. You know when you're like on. I guess you need that mental confidence. And um, I don't know. If, I don't think I've told anyone else on the podcast yet either. I've told a few people, but yeah, I had these two huge bottles of champagne in the van. I was like, we're gonna need them this week. And um, yeah, when you're on that, you're on. And yeah, the fifth, fifth in the ever. What was I going to get to? Oh, the crystal trophy, dude. I remember saying to everyone all week, I'm fucking, I want that crystal trophy, like that big one you're talking about. And I did get a trophy in the end. It was unreal when I got it, but it was like these little wooden ones this year. It's cool. It's downstairs somewhere. But dude, I got to say, I was say so something. gutted when it wasn't a crystal one. There's something with Bulb's soul. Do you want to know what this stupid thing is? <laughs> you used to guys get those on the podium, didn't you? As a trophy. My first podium is a stupid fluffy toy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke, eh? Oh. Anyway. That's funny. But yeah, dude, I got a it's just, that... cool wooden trophy which says fifth on it, but I didn't get the crystal thing and I was so hyped that I wanted the crystal. And even when I got fifth, I was like, yes, I'm getting my crystal trophy. Because they've always had those like glass ones for ages, like you say. Until last year. They've had them until last year. And I was like, <laughs> but it's all good. Uh, I can't win them all, eh? You can't win them all, I think that's, can't win them all. I think that's awesome. You literally, you bet on yourself. You're like, well, maybe you were like, well, even if I don't do it, I'll just drown my sorrows in this champagne. Yeah, but dude, I was, I I was so mad at World wicked. Champ. So I like, knew I could do good there, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty funny. I was stoked because I like no one knew and then I sent... I can't remember who went to the get one. It might have been Cole Lucas or someone. I was like, oh, can someone get the scooter to go to the van? Because the van was back at the house. It was like 2Ks away. And I like, oh, what do you need to get? I was like, oh, there's two bottles of champagne in the fridge. Like, run back and get them. And everyone was like, yo, it was pretty sick. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's wicked, man. And the after party that night, that sounded a bit rough. Yeah, dude, it was good. Yeah, low, it party. Hard and... yeah it, was a, it was a good one, that's for sure. It was a pretty nice driving out the next day from there. Just like, we're chilling. Not not bad from a guy from England with barely any mountains. Dude, I know. I'm moving to the mountains hopefully soon. I'm moving to Wales because I've realized the riding on the Surrey Hills actually sucks. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to move <laughs> up the Athens I, town. I hope Odub and, and Bren don't hear that. You'll be barred dude, they from the know, Surrey Hills. Dude, I'm happy to be barred. When you think about it, like where you're from, you always think it's great. And I'm so lucky I've got to travel, go to all these places where mountain biking is actually good. And mountain biking here, especially, I ride six times a week, five, six times a week. 50% of the time I ride on my own because Brendan and Ollie are busy or doing something else. And we ride the same tracks over and over and over. And I've been doing it so long now, there's very little loam here. The good thing mm. about Surrey Hills was loam. The loam's gone, dude. We're running rocks. There's a few loam tracks, but <laughs> I give Ollie and Brent shit about it. They know, dude, the tracks are 20 seconds long. It's fun when you're with a group of your mates. I have a great day out with my mates. But yeah. mountain biking... It's pretty average. 
It's fun with your mates. The man of working riding, it's below par, let's be honest. We can all lie about it and pretend it's the best thing ever, but <laughs> we're lying to ourselves now. Yeah, but that shows like mountain biking is also really important, like your crew that you ride with, because you can make what now Did you feel you make... is an average trail. Like, oh, it's an amazing idea. Dude, you'd rather ride the worst trail in the world with 20 great mates than the best trail in the world on your own, right? Like most yeah. of the time. You know, so, but yeah, I'm going to move up to Dovey where the Athens live. I'm just buying a house there at the minute. I can train way better there. Yeah, dude, I'm going up tomorrow, hopefully, to get some keys maybe or next week. And um, yeah, I can, dude, we drive to Wales at least twice a month, maybe three times before the season now. It's five hours each way. The only reason I live where I live is because it's close to London. We never go to London anymore. Everyone's got kids or we don't like partying. or So we live in a really expensive area where the mountain biking's pretty average. The traffic is terrible. Like for me to go ride anywhere I drive to go ride is 20 minutes each way, minimum. So I drive really far, the tracks are average. Or I could live in the mountains in Wales where it's really cheap to live. Uh, most people there love being outdoors, whether it's hiking, the beach, mountain biking. I've got a bike park, some of the best trail riding in the UK and Manchester Airport an hour and a half away. Like, why do I live in Surrey? <laughs> but I think it takes maturity <laughs> as you get older to be like, either not be scared of moving away or being like, shit, I want to be surrounded by people who like the same stuff as me. Whereas where I live here, 98% of people either don't want to share the outdoors, hate you because they're walking their dog or riding a horse, or they don't have the same passions as me or the people I like hanging out with. You know, a lot of them work in London or everyone's just in this rat race, really. Like to drive to Brennan's house is 20 minutes. In Wales, in two minutes, I can ride with 10 different people. The same in New Zealand, dude. When you're in New Zealand, from my house to the bike park, there's 30 or 40 people I could ride with in a 1K. In Surrey, Sam Reynolds is probably the closest to me. He's probably like a seven or eight minute drive. But seven or eight minutes to get to the next house where there's one guy that wants to ride. You know, like these other places, I've got a choice of 10, 15 people within a three minute drive. So You're going to be that close to the bike park, to Atherton's bike yeah, park? Yeah, I'm about a four or five minute drive, yeah. That's nothing. Dude, yeah. Well, I actually got a house on the high street. I've got a shop that's going to sell some merch and some craft beer, Lada's Place. And um, Are you calling it Lada's Place? So for people Lada's that don't know, that's your dog's name, Lada. Yeah. And if you ever no come to way. Wales in the UK, that's we're going to have... That's so fitting. That is so craft cool. Beer. Yeah, we're going to have merch that you can only buy in the shops. The merch we sell in the shop, BK Sport, you can um, only buy it in the shop, the stuff we sell there. You can't buy it online. It will never be online. So you have to come to the shop and buy it and come have a beer, hang out with Lada. And so you're saying your property you're going to live in will have, it's on the high street, so this is attached to the shop that you're going to make as well in the front. Yeah, I've got like a shop front and two two-bedroom flats. So one's going to be an Airbnb. Check it out, Airbnb, guys. And then the other one I'm going to live in. No ways. That's pretty cool. And you're going to keep mm. the, the, the spot down here or you're going to just yeah, commit to moving away? Yeah, I'm going to rent away. this one out. Yeah, I'm going to rent okay. this one out and then hopefully have that one. And then I can really be stupid with money at some point, hopefully. <laughs> you do like a car you do like yeah, a car, which like a car. what's yeah, been your like favorite favorite purchase honestly my 964 like the 1991 porsche i've got my 964 probably my favorite that is i drove it to the gym this morning i drive it like every day if it's dry it's in good running <laughs> order oh dude it's the engine and it's a 91 year, so. you just said 1991 same year i was born 
yeah, that's cool. Ah, yeah. So that's pretty was cool. That a, man. When did you get it? Was it a gift to yourself after a certain result or just, just, COVID, just yeah. happened? It was really cheap. Yeah, someone was trying to get rid of it in COVID. Yeah, there was a lot of panic before COVID hit as it was hitting. So there was deals to be had. I got a Porsche pretty cheap. <laughs> Dude, between you and your brother, you not you know a deal when you see a deal. Dude, a we hustler. know a good car deal when we see it, yeah. So, uh, that's yeah, I got the Porsche. Wicked. Yeah, love it. And um, so... This place in Wales, you're gonna be there. What's it's like the weather much? It is worse than Surrey weather in the it's winter. It's a little or not really? bit worse. Yeah, a little bit worse. But ideally, I'm just like kind of Europe, March to September, New Zealand. The rest after this. The only problem with New Zealand is the dog. They've got weird rules, but we're trying to look at ways around that now. But otherwise, dude, I just love New what, Zealand. What to take Lada with you? Take Lada with me, yeah. But just I did want to ask. Lifestyle. Did you ever? So when you were starting to get these results, you were one of the early adopters of going to New Zealand in the off-season, and I spotted it a mile away. I think you were putting in far more bike time, downhill bike time on good tracks than anyone actually realized. Way um, more. So I you think would that's a huge come part. into a season like really comfortable early, right? So if you just got your training going, you've sort of caught up and then surpassed some people on downhill bike time, which you know done properly is very important. Yeah, I think that's it. And last year going into the season, I did that with Wales and we traveled so much, dude. We would drive every week or we went to Fort William one week. My brother would drive. We put a bed in the back of the van for me. Like I invested a lot of money going into last season with a trainer and travel. We spent so much money on diesel, dude. I was spending, I don't know, three, 400 pounds a week, literally on diesel last year going into the season, like crazy money because we couldn't go to New Zealand. But yeah, I think 100% the New Zealand thing really helped because Surrey Hills, you can't ride downhill. Ollie Wilkins keeps going, yeah, Surrey's done you good so far, though. Why are you moving to Wales? It has, Ollie. But my best ever seasons, I either lived in New Zealand, going into them. I'd come to Lords. I qualified 11th one year and 9th one year, I think. Like you say, straight off New Zealand training. And I didn't do that before. And then the last couple of seasons, I've started to do really good. Again, is because we drive to Wales and Scotland so much. We do not leave a week go out and turn without at least two days of full race laps and a day of normal riding. And it's cost me a fortune and a lot of time driving to Wales. Matt Barney's really good. He drives loads and I work on my laptop on the way or my brother drives. So it's been an investment having like two staff around me most of the time last year, like on what we spent on previous seasons, you know, I probably dropped an extra 20 grand between training and fuel. <laughs> personally, like personal probably, on your, yeah, on your preparation. Yeah, yeah that's on huge, but it shows how it pays off though if you invest in yourself. Dude, yeah, honestly, I'd have dropped at least 20 grand probably more last year and it really, yeah, it shows 100% we invested it and it came back with a lot of work. But um, yeah, before it was New Zealand, then it was Wales and now it's been New Zealand and now into Wales, so... Dude, we've had the dry, dusty fast. We're going for the wet stuff in Wales. We're we're on, hopefully. I've always taken my health very seriously. But I must admit, it's very tough to have a balanced diet every single day, especially when I'm traveling and on the road a lot. Then I found Athletic Greens. I'm so excited to partner with them personally and for this podcast. I actually started taking AG1 long before this partnership even came about. So what is this stuff? Think of AG1 as your all-in-one health insurance. I know I do. I've never been one for taking a million different supplements or vitamins. What a mission. So this is the perfect all-in-one solution. With one scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, 
nervous system, immune system, energy recovery, and helps enhance your focus. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, artificial anything, all while still tasting good. What I find is it's beyond easy to use and that's definitely what I need. All you need to do is mix one scoop of AG1 with water and take it first thing in the morning. After a long flight or travel, it is a must for me too. It's that simple. They also make travel packs which I like to take on the road and to events. I notice a big difference when I include AG1 into my routine. I feel more focused and energized to get my day going. I seem to be more alert as well. Let's all be honest. We all know we don't eat enough vegetables or consume the healthiest meals some of the time, especially when we get busy. We all want something quick and easy, which will help us in life. AG1 supports better sleep quality, recovery, mental clarity, and alertness. Now, I don't care what you do. I think we can all agree this is super important. AG1 is trusted by many professional athletes and health experts. To make trying it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash moving the needle again that is athleticgreens.com forward slash moving the needle to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance i'll link it in the show notes as well um i think it was kobe bryant or someone was said that he spends like a million dollars on his health and nutrition or training a year whatever the figure was obviously he earns a lot more but if you think about it it's still quite a decent ratio of his of his earnings, a million dollars sounds like so much, but 20 grand for what you earn versus a million for what he earns. Probably more. (laughs) Yeah, it's a big, yeah, it's probably a more percentage of what you earn. And uh, I think that's huge. Um, I think money spent on your self-improvement is never a waste, right? And for you racing, you got to improve, you got to keep growing, you got to innovate, you know? Yeah, I think 100%. So that's what we're trying to do. I'm buying a house in Wales and moving there, so... Go there for the next couple of days. Oh, then off shucks. The you, can't, you can't retire after one one year then. You've got to prove this Wales purchase right, you know? I know. So hey, we've got to see you in 2024, <laughs> 2024, Maybe. 2025. Dude, if we win the overall, what did I say I'm going to do if I win it? I said, if I'm leading the overall going to St. Anne, we're going to fly the team in a private jet there from Snowshoe. And then I'll probably do the next year as well. <laughs> so you had it here first. If we're leading the overall going into St. Anne, we'll arrive by private jet. Where is it leaving from? I want to be in this flight. Either from DC Heathrow. or I think, no, from deep because we're in Snowshoe the week before. So uh, it'll be either okay. DC or there might be a closer airport. We're not that rich. <laughs> I was like, oh, where are we going from? I want to no, I want to see this plane ride. Yeah, if we're, yeah, if we're leading the overall, get into St. Anne, we'll fly on a private jet there. <laughs> you got to um, do some Mr. Beast stuff and like invite a fan on the plane or give away a ticket. Yeah, have you seen what? Yeah, that'd be, yeah, I've that'd only be just cool. heard of this guy. Like, I don't follow it enough, but you could start doing that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Something cool, dude. We've got some really cool ideas this year to do some ride days with people and some cool merch ideas for the races and stuff. And yeah, try and involve everyone more because yeah, the 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 uh, response we have with the merch has been unreal. Like the fans now, like through YouTube, is like I never would have guessed. I I got good late, you know. My first podium, I was twenty five. I'm not like Loic or troy or danny that's been winning races from 18 so i've never really had loads of fans so it's real new to me and late but the response has been unreal with the merch and all the fans so really appreciate it thanks everyone and uh yeah we are gonna do some cool stuff like that this year 
Where, um, when did that come about? Like how, talk to me a bit about the merch. I see you've been pushing it, looks cool, looks fun. You're having a good time with it. Yeah, I've been trying to do it for two years since like COVID, but time-wise, dude, or I have commitment issues, commitment to the name, commitment to bloody anything. So we just didn't really know. I had a real good name. I lost a fucking bit of paper with it on. And then I was going to do BK Global. Then I, not that I wear fancy clothes, but if I ever bought a piece of clothing that was nice, I'd get Ralph Lauren. And they do like polo sports stuff. They do funny teddy bears or like weird shit on it. They have cool designs, honestly. And I just always like polo sport or like anything sport. And I was like, fuck, I could call it BK Sport. And um, yeah, I don't know, just the name. And then I just always wanted like retro, like old motocross designs or like just retro stuff. And I found a designer through Eddie and the Vanzacks in New Zealand. He's amazing. Comes up with the designs, works with me. I'm like, oh, can we change this? I changed that. And he's real good. And then... I don't know. I just like the limited drops. It's just, I'm sure we could probably make more money if we like had more stock because I always get messages after it sells out for people trying to buy it. But I don't know. I just like the way it is. I like that it's limited. And like I said, we're going to have stuff in Wales that you can only buy in the shop. So when people come to the bike park, they can buy it and uh, hopefully meet Lada and stuff, which will be cool. But yeah, I'm just hyped on it. Like cool stuff I wanted to wear, cool casual. Like all our sponsors do some casual, but some of it's not really our style. Like, yeah, they all do cool clothes, but it's hard to cater for all of their audiences, you know, and their style. So I was like, I can just do stuff in the style I like. And we'll wear pivot t-shirts now and again, Liat now and again, casual, but I don't know. I like my stuff as well. I, I think that's cool. And you kind of keep it a bit exclusive if you're doing these limited drops. Then people are like, oh, i got to buy or I'm going to miss out. And then you make a new one. So it's been worthwhile, like monetary-wise? Like oh, yeah, dude, yeah. It does easy, really well. Easily worthwhile there. just to do it easily worthwhile yeah <laughs> that's well. wicked yeah he's, he's like smiling here if it's just audio that you see this on he's grinning from ear to ear but that's great yeah no stoked. that's something no, you really earned well. you know you build a brand and then launch something and then push it and who and then where do you get it made in england and you find someone that yeah makes it comes like the blanks for a kiwi company and then i just found the first place in london i called it was two guys it's super small and like an old warehouse from like looks like an old school movie dude it's super cool like print house and it's just these two guys that do it we do the order we pick it up on let's say a wednesday we sell it on the weekend it ships on a monday we have the stock for less than a week so it's dialed really and so it's like drop the shipping first... they call it almost eh? no drop shipping is when someone does it for you but we're just efficient oh okay i don't want to i just thought it's like you don't own this you almost don't own the stock though you kind of like I have to pay for it probably two weeks before we get it. So I pay for it for two weeks before, have it for a week or less than a week, and then it ships out. But yeah, it's just, Dude, I just have a dark business plan of how I want to do it. And Bard, like my little brother, he well, does all the shit. Clearly, you now. do. So, yeah. Oh, really? Just, You've brought him in? in. Yeah, he gets paid to do the shipping for a day. Yes. He gets a bonus fee, does it a day. If it takes two days, he gets less. So it will get shipped in there a day. There you go, dude. Outsourcing, outsourcing your work, man. Yeah, it's good. Mum does all the packaging order, bud ships, and then, dude, it's crazy quick. We've got a good DHL account. Like, if you buy in Europe, you get next day anywhere in Europe, as long as they don't lose it, from England. Like, we next day to Italy or Germany, from England. Shit, that's and wicked. everywhere in the UK is next day. They do lose some stuff. Like, we get between, like, five and eight things lost a month or whatever, and then we keep a few spares to send back out. A bit of hassle there, but... But with DHL, sure, there's a tracking number and stuff? Or they say it's damaged and they don't deliver it. DHL's really good. It's this one in the UK called Every Like Hermes. They lose stuff or damage it, they reckon. DHL, uh, I think we've only had one lost. But otherwise, no, it works well, dude. It goes good. So the family gets some money. I make some money. And honestly, I think it's a cool engagement with the fans and everyone gets to be a part of it. There was a kid at Sea Otter in a t-shirt walking around. And I was like, dude, that's Really? 
in America. Yeah, That's have, cool. Yeah, we have a few customers from Japan, some from Brazil, Canada, America, everywhere. It's, really it's crazy cool. how global this thing is, a uh, YouTube or this podcast. I look at the stats. It's in like, I don't know, 90, 100 countries. UK is huge. So cheers to the listeners. Like UK is big, US is big, but Australia. But it goes out to, I don't know, 100 countries. And YouTube's yeah, the same, so right? cool. Yeah, it's sick. I love it. Yeah. It's a super cool way to engage with the fans. So that's why I want to come on these and hopefully not just sound like a dickhead. Sorry, if guys, I talk too much or too quick, but hopefully give a bit of insight <laughs> or like, yeah, talk to everyone. No, people, all the responses are, oh, it's awesome. Like someone I did a podcast with was like telling me what he enjoyed. He's like, I didn't know Danny Hart talks. You somehow got him to talk. Dude, and like Danny's with you, we, I love Danny. We can yeah. have a great conversation, but I, the reason I'm doing the podcast is there's more to you guys than hurtling down a hill, right? And now after yeah. an hour, two hours with you, they know there's more to Bernard Kerr, they know there's more to Danny. And I think that's what the sport is also missing, right? Because yeah, you've got this three-minute broadcast, a quick interview at the end, and then Bernard Kerr's gone. But now you're giving them the vlogs. I can give them the two hours to like really understand your thought process. Because someone just goes, oh, Bernard wants more money to run a head camp. What a dickhead. No. Yeah, dude. He's trying to protect the that, whole yeah. sport. He's trying to protect yeah. everyone and say, hey, guys, why don't you just understand what you're worth stop for a second yeah it's, it's right yeah. as worth and i'm lucky like i've worked hard now with youtube and everything i make pretty good money i make a good wage and some of these riders don't do they get ripped off and i'm want to stand up for them and i want i'm done racing soon as well like i'm not racing forever dude it's either this year or next year i'll be done so the helmet cam thing's only going to affect me for a year or so i want it for riders going forward like i say i'm super lucky and super privileged that i've made a good living off this but I really care about the sport and other riders, whether they're on my team or whoever going forward, I don't want them getting ripped off and getting them bent over. So honestly, it's more for them. Like I'm, I'm doing okay. Like, and like I say, I'm not racing for much longer, but we have a great sport here, an amazing thing that we're lucky we get to do. And I just want it to be fair and, and good going forward, you know? How do you manage owning the team, being a rider? There's obviously a salary component. You need to build profit in to protect the business model if there's a tough year. But then you're having a conversation with Eddie Masters. I don't want the figures. How do you then say, oh, I want him to get paid fair, but then that's less for the t It's like, how do you juggle that? It's hard because especially if I'm like, you guys need to do more or you've been lazy. Some days I'm like, I think about what Eddie's getting paid and I'm like, mate, I need a pay rise. I'm doing too much work compared to you, fam. And Eddie works hard. But I'll be like, like, oh, I need to sell this bike at the end of the season. I'm like, dude, I've just sold this bike for you because he like, leaves them here. And I'm hustling. I'm doing this. I'm on the phone till midnight. I'm like, you, do, you need to do some more work. But most of the time, dude, if they want more money, they deserve it. They've justified it. And I'll fight. Like we offered, we went to Morgan with an offer to her last year. I was like, hey, Pivot are going to double your wage. No matter how she did last year, Pivot Cycles were doubling Morgan's wage for 23. They told me that in April and May. They're like, hey, we want Morgan to be more in line with the guys. We really think she's killing it for us. Just so you know, whatever happens this year, she's getting a doubled wage in 23. They were going to put double the budget in for Morgan. And I was like, what a company, dude, for Pivot to just stand up and say that was so cool. I didn't tell her for a while. I was like, Fuck, I'm going to tell Morgan. She was like almost crying, I think, so happy. Got to the end of the year. I was like, right, we can give you X number, which is a tiny bit more than what we'd said because she'd done so well. And she is actually like, no, I want a little bit more than that if you can. I was like, no, good on you, Morgan. You've stood up and said, I actually believe I'm worth this. And um, we kind of had the budget set up and whatever. I, I did just take five grand out of my budget or whatever I would keep, you know. 
like the extra five grand, I think it was, she asked more on top of what we offered her. And I was like, no, I genuinely, you're worth that. And I'm prepared to effectively yeah, take that off the profits of the team because I think either she'll bring that money back in in turn, you know, in another year, like the sponsors are like, oh, can we get, can we get on board with you? Whether it's Nike, like, hey, can we chuck 20 grand at the team? Because that Morgan girl's doing super good for you guys and we want the exposure, whatever it is. Mm. Um, I think she brings it back and she brings great value. So I, I lost five grand there, you know, out of my wage. But I don't think it's a lost. I think it's invested and Morgan kills it for us. So it's a tough yeah, one. Yeah, it's, it's investing back into the team, which is your asset, exactly. right? And I don't think people realize. So, but it sounds like Pivot and you speak about the salary component of the athletes and maybe you build a budget and then... I think, you know, the team should make profit. You're the manager, then you hire people. Cool. So you've got like an owner component because you're working your tail off. But then you're saying, cool, some years I got to, the owner component doesn't do well. It's like reinvesting in the business. You're exactly. like, well, some this athlete I want to keep, yeah. she's going to help my, the business, which is the team. But one thing I don't know if everyone understands, like these third, I call them third party owned teams, like Pivot pays you fine but if you mess the budget up or go over budget or flights go up or things happen like you can get screwed with a bill right and Dude, last is year, that not yeah, quite stressful bad. yeah like we get enough that i know i'll break even but like last year yeah we were probably 30 grand over in travel and accommodation like i made 30 grand less probably than i should have because whatever's left from the team i get to keep right and i have a rough budget I'm like right we want to be here we want to be here it doesn't really matter what i budget though because as long as you don't go to zero anything that's left is mine so if you make 10 grand or 100 grand it doesn't actually matter like, oh, I'm more happy if I made a hundred grand, but as long as I don't go over budget, it doesn't actually matter. It only matters what profit I make. So yeah, we definitely, I think we were like 30 grand over on travel and a combination last year, one of them, or both of them, they combined like 30 grand more than I'd budgeted for, like crazy high. Between diesel going crazy, flights, I think were the main one. I think one month. Yeah, they jumped up flights. hectically, huh? I think for that Canadian trip, we spent 10,000 pounds extra on flights from what we thought they were going to be. Ten thousand pounds was just gone like that. That I never. Yeah, that's not a. That's a lot of money when you when you're running a tight ship or having to. Well, you, just any budget. That's horrible. Dude, yeah, ten grand and like a bunch here, a bunch there. Yes, yeah, so last year's budget went, but there's enough built in now that I could. I just get less profit, so it's not really stressful. It's a bit annoying, but we make enough now I, that. I guess yeah, you're also used to it. Money. You know, you're used to that. That's the ebbs and flows of owning a team, right? I think yeah, I would do sleep at night thinking about excess baggage and flights because I'm like quite, you know, everything needs to be in a box for me. But you get I used to it, do, I guess, right? Yeah, we're pretty freestyle with it, dude. Like the bus last year I had to buy, so that all came out of the budget. I had to use all the money for the bus. We were pretty tight on budget. But then the next two years now that the bus is just cruising around, I don't need to buy a bus this year or next year, you know? So this year I'll have plenty of that money coming back in. But Where then, the hell do you come up with an idea to have a school bus painted as, I mean, it, it's epic. I mean, no dude, one else has thought about that. I just, I don't want to fit in, dude. Like we had that big truck before, which was cool. And I was like talking to these guys in Poland that we're going to build us a new one and look really cool. But it was just another truck. It could have been specialized. It could have been the Athens. It could have been Scott. It like just looked the same as everyone. I was like, how can we be different? And I said about it. And then I was like, we could have a school bus. There's a guy I know that does school buses in the UK. And then Boris, my brother, was like, he was like the yes man. He was like, yeah, get a school bus. And just even that one guy being like, yeah, you should do it. I was like, right, I'm going to look into this. I reckon I can do this. And yeah, I went to, we, after snowshoe 2021, 20, we drove like five hours the next morning, left like 6 a.m., drove to Philadelphia to go look at one. I was like, this one's dialed. Told the guy I'd buy it. Shipped it over like a month later to the UK. And then just got this company to build it out. 
and it dude it's you go around the pits if there's anyone stopped at pits they're not taking a photo of the specialized truck or the trek truck or anyone madison's boring brand new white one it's probably really nice inside they're stopped at the pivot bus taking photos of that you know and that's the whole point of it dude we're just trying to a man of my team's marketing so why don't just make your marketing even better <laughs> like just be better at marketing so that's just what we really tried to do there and it's more fun it's cool we just we just love it yeah no i think uh it sounds i mean you're super proud of it are they what what else like reflecting back are you super proud of or stands out of your career till now like obviously there's still years to go I don't know the bus is the bus is a cool one buying the first truck was rad um I don't know, dude, we had a caravan to a bloody $100,000 bus. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's some way to cover the caravan was 350 quid. Like, just that stuff, dude. Fifth in the overall was probably the best thing ever. Yeah. I don't know, it's a hard one. What, um, the, I got asked this, and I'll pass it on. When did you accept, realize that you'd made it? Like, that you're a professional rider or you could make Did this a thing I like think this winter you know, like that you are comfortable i think what are you talking about that's i'm talking about what that you're a pro rider to, I, honestly we stopped in new zealand one day i think i was with george or someone and like we went to new zealand in 2000 i can't remember the year i say 2012 was the first year i lived in queenstown and we were in this house it was me george reese potter vera sandler jamie lyle and we all, that was the first year, like, right, we're here, we're going to train, we're going to become man and pros. And I was almost there. I went there that year and I was like, I might have to work a normal job. Dude, I, we had a dinner. We talked about this. It was a dinner, actually. I talked about this in New Zealand. Uh, my rent was $80 a week or 85 a week. It was £40 a week rent. And I was like, I might have to work a normal job here. I'm not sure. I might not make it by if I don't work a normal job. And I was like, no, nah, I can scrape by here. And that was the year we all got to Queenstown for the first ever time. Eddie stayed with us a little bit. A few people did, and we were like, right, we're going we're gonna to go at this. We're going to make it work. Stevie Smith was there that year, like a bunch of people. And we were like, dude, I would listen to the Glitch Mob, the GoPro, like Hero 2 or whatever to come out. And it was the Glitch Mob song. What was it? I can't remember. I'd look out my window, do my emails, and the Glitch Mob and some other of these songs. I was like, dude, I'm going to be a pro. Like, I'm, we're going at this. Or I was like, I'm almost a pro now. I remember thinking, like, I'm, I'm so close. Let's, let's go hard at this. And then this off season, we were all at dinner. And I was like, dude, we like came to Queenstown to try and be pro. We're pros now. Like, I honestly thought about it. We did this, like, I did a 100K dinner. Like, when I hit 100K on YouTube, I took Eddie, I took 18 people out to dinner to say thank you because they read it in my videos. They've helped me. Like, YouTube didn't get to 100K without Eddie and Matt and Morgan and Jenna. You know, like, I didn't get there on my own. So I took everyone out to dinner to say thanks. And I said this at dinner. I was like, nah, it's kind of crazy. Like, genuinely thank you to everyone and like we're kind of there now the only weird thing is it's not sad it's not like fuck now what like you work your whole life for this career dude you like trying to be a pro trying to be a pro trying to be a racer like i have to make this work shit i've kind of made it work now now that you're almost like now what not like depressing that you're like shit i've kind of ticked that off now <laughs> like i haven't won a race but like I've, I've ticked off becoming a pro like it was honestly this summer in new zealand i was like well i've kind of made this work now like i had really had a moment i was like yeah I'd say literally this last January, February, I realized. <laughs> Shit, only then. I mean, you've been a pro <laughs> Kinda, for many yeah. a years. Like maybe the first time you get a top 10 or a podium, you could say, huh, I think I belong here. But you, you've you waited. Really you didn't want to believe it till like last year. 
I always say it's a scam, dude. I'm like, any minute someone's going to phone me. I'm like, you're not a pro anymore. Can we have all your money back? I know. I've the whole thing wor- feels like that. a scam. <laughs> I know. Dude, I worry about that so much. I'm like, this is too good. To try retiring and then you do different things in the industry, I'm like, someone's going to pull the rug out. I'm still getting to ride my bike. I'm still getting to talk to you crazy guys. I was riding Darkfest. I've got a few gray hairs and I'm like, uh, I guess this is going for another few years. I spoke to Hans Ray. He's 57. Right, and you can say what you you can say what you want about Hans Ray. I have utmost respect for him because he's Mad reinventing himself, and then he's realizing like these two guys came up to me and they were like, "I took my helmet off." They got into biking during lockdown, and then they didn't know me from a bar of soap, which is great, right? And they came up to me, South African guys, after the event, and they they said, "Hey, he brought his friend over," and he said, "Hey, this is the guy." And I was like, can we share something with you? I was like, yeah, dude, I'm an open book. Go for it. He's like, you took your helmet off. We both looked at each other, saw a few gray hairs and said, this old dude is doing this. This is sick. So now I'm inspiring an old guy that's That's like 55. And so Hans Ray is doing that. And I think we're always, what what I was getting is, I think we unfortunately are always going to have the feeling because we enjoy the job. We mostly get joy out of it, even though there's hard days. And you feel someone's just going to pull the rug out and be like, ha, psych, it's done now or it's fake. Oh, yeah, can we get everything back, please? Dude, I honestly worry about that. I'm like, (laughs) some days I'm like, dude, I'm not working hard enough. My sponsors are going to call up. They're going to be mad. They're like, what have you done for us? Like, I get worried about that. I'm like, they're going to be like, hey, has this guy done anything lately? And then I look at other riders or things. I'm like, well, actually, I think I'm doing all right. I've done enough work here. But honestly, I worry sometimes I'm not doing enough. But I'm like, I think this is a bit ridiculous. Yeah, but I think it's a high achiever mentality. You're always, it doesn't matter what you do, how many YouTube followers you got, how many podiums you get. Greg Menard's probably feeling the same thing. So I haven't done enough. You know, everyone goes through, it's like, it's almost called imposter syndrome. You just don't feel like you deserve it, even though you've 100% earned it, you're creating value and, and you're at the top of the game. But you're still feeling that way. I mean, that's interesting. Yeah, I know. So I'm trying to let it chill more. We'll be all right. We'll get there. Speaking of imposter syndrome, you must have felt it a bit when you're trying to do the supercross thing. I know you've spoken quite a bit about it, but maybe for the guy that doesn't understand, like what you took on was it takes a lot of balls to even go attempt this when you were yeah, trying to really make a supercross <laughs> night yeah. event or what? What was the goal? I just wanted to, the bet was I had to roll around a stadium. But I wanted to make the night show. I realistically probably wouldn't have made it that year. It was a really hard year. Like there's been five easier years since, you know, way easier years since. But yeah, I just wanted to make a night show. I could ride a track in the end. It wasn't great, but I could make it ride a track. So today it was really ambitious. It cost a shit ton of money for it just to be turned down at the end. Like a bunch of political stuff. It's too hard to even explain. But I had did have a license. People think I didn't. I 100% had an FIM license. But yeah, it was super random in the end. But maybe one day, dude, that'd be like a cool thing when I've got more time. We were so rushed because of the end of the race season and then this and that. Like I had 18 days on a Supercross track and I wanted like 35, you know, 35 days. So that was, it would have been almost double, you know? So I don't know. How gnarly, how gnarly was the more. first, yeah, you could, but how gnarly was the first day or did you go, shit, I've bitten off quite a bit here when you're trying to ride the track for the first time? When we got to America, dude, the first day I rode in America, Jeremy McGrath was stood there with Ryan Villapoto and someone else that stood the track, and I was like, "Oh my god, I don't want to ride around here, dude! I, like, I'm at the Kawasaki test track. Like, what am I doing here?" 
So yeah, definitely the first day I was like, this was the dumbest idea ever. But we got into it. I had one huge crash that I walked away from, luckily. But yeah, it was ridiculous. Looking back, it was such a cool experience. Hopefully, maybe we'll get to do it again one day. But those guys were at the trek on the first day and you had to ride in front of them. Yeah, Baggett was there. Was Anderson behind? But it was RV and McGrath stood by the track and I was like, oh. You like shit. blob, like rolling through the whoops and the Dude, doubles rolling and stuff. through, <laughs> rolling through. Yeah, it was. I don't know what to say about it now. Yeah, because I've talked about it so much. But it was wild, dude. Ridiculous. But we'll get but back. We'll gnarly, go back. How gnarly is a supercross track, dude? You could be still on the roof of your van next to one, and it looks all right. You get off the roof of your van and you stand at track level. It's ten times gnarlier. So, like, even when you're at a supercross stadium on the lowest level seating you can get. It's so much gnarly when you go on the track. Like, okay. it's ridiculous. And nothing's built that well, like, because they're rushed and it's on that wood. There's always kinks at the bottom. And, dude, it's, it's another <laughs> level, man. Like, a triple. We did one day, their week of A1. I was out of this track called Hemet. Super kind of sandy track. And all the good 250 guys were out there, a couple 450 guys. And the lip of this triple. It was like the ruts, like, between my fingers, dude. Like, I've got this video I found on my phone the other day. And it's, I can't believe I hit that. Like, you look at that now. Oh, you hey, did hit it. Oh, yeah, I hit it every lap, dude. And it was <laughs> so gnarly when you watched it. Yeah, I had to. I thought I was racing A1 that week. <laughs> Watching me hit this triple, dude, you're like, this guy is gnarly. Like, I'm not hitting it great, but I'm hitting a super cross triple with 10 ruts that's eight inches deep across it. You know, it's ridiculous. But, no, glad to have made it out. Maybe we'll do it again. Maybe not. I don't know. Let's <laughs> try one of these World Cups first. That's funny. So then... I think we forgot to mention you. Did you get pissed off when me and Charlie spoke about who would win a motocross, a motocross race out of the mountain bikers? And we might have forgotten your name. I oh, saw so you, you tagged me on the thing on Instagram. Yeah, you tagged yeah. me on Instagram. So we were yeah. talking about it. It just came up. And I was like, well, Elliot's going to be good. I know Greg's good. I don't know. And it would win you know, by miles, hands down. You think? What? It, maybe like, not if anymore. You forced, if you forced him to go speed-wise. Yeah, maybe not what about, anymore. But no, he's... What about Quinn? I mean, he used to I've race. never ridden with Gwynny, to be fair, so I don't know. I honestly, I could only comment people I've ridden with. Danny's good for 30 minutes. Danny would beat you on a 30-minute race, but I'd smoke Danny in a lap. So 30 minutes, Danny might even get me because I'm such a bad technique. But for one lap, I could beat Danny pretty easily. But for 30 and minutes, Danny, Danny Wilson's pretty shit hot. Oh, he Danny looks Reese really good on rough fast. stuff, yeah. Yeah, he He's looks fast. really good on rough stuff. He's Greg's, not much of a jumper, Greg's though. sneaky good. I know Greg's sneaky good. Like, he comes from motocross, and I've seen him ride. He'd probably ride a supercross track second lap he's like no way he's good uh, well i saw him ride like a south african version with like a triple it's not a supercross american version but he is unbelievably comfortable on a motocross bike in the air i did do this though i did this at royal hills and rode a normal supercross track whatever you want to call it and thought i was good and that was part of my yeah. downfall in the supercross thing so you're <laughs> you supercross like track it's ridiculous <laughs> it's probably like people thinking they could ride a world cup down you're like yeah i ride the whatever local series i'll i'll go to a world cup like you do if you've been in royal hills there you hit the if you've been in royal hills and you see those big doubles the motocross ones they got there they're so chill even compared to a supercross track so chill like yeah supercross track is (laughs) no joke (laughs) (laughs) well good for you for going out it was sure entertaining from us and yeah there was a lot of banter but i think Everyone was, I mean, they were probably Did just, I put myself they out wouldn't there, have done yeah. it themselves. Yeah, you put yourself out there, like whether I you fail or hate. not. 
Except I, the only thing I did was I could have got hurt, but I put myself online for the whole world to watch and laugh at, and I got hate for it <laughs> a lot of the time. It was hard to deal with, but that was the yeah, first that's time I not really fair. Like, learned to deal with people being horrible. But it was good. Like I learned loads from it. But yeah, people are funny. Hey, like you try something that you suck at, and everyone gets to watch, and they be mean, and you're like, dude, I'm just trying here. <laughs> like no hate. <laughs> yeah, no. What? How do you deal with that? Or is most of your interactions online like pretty decent minus the Supercross thing? You know, like the pink you know bike comments that, and this and that. I think before YouTube, I was quite love-hate. I probably still am. Like people either love me or they hate me. I get that. I'm, I'm quite outspoken. I chat a lot of shit. I talk too quick, too fast. People, I think sometimes I'm really happy or confident and people think it's cocky. And I promise I try not to be. I'm just stoked most of the time. So hopefully it doesn't come out like that. But pre-YouTube, I think I had quite a few haters through Supercross, I had loads. And then it's just, I feel like it's switched quite a lot since being on YouTube and being like, this is who I am. I'm really not trying to be fake or cocky or anything. I just am stoked. I love riding bikes. Um, to do good at a race, you have to believe you're good. If I turn up at Vattasol thinking I'm shit, I'm probably going to do pretty shit. You know, I need to turn up at Vattasol thinking I'm pretty sick. And if I don't, <laughs> you're not going to do good. So, And lower can everyone does it. Maybe I do it in a more public manner. So people think I'm cocky, but everyone has their own ways so no it's been since youtube my uh hopefully my public perceptions change and i get a lot of nice comments you get now and again some hate i had a couple the other day and i got an, it, someone messaged me from like a fake sex toy um website whilst i was in new zealand like last day i was there i got a email from a fake sex toy website in new zealand like the most horrible email you've ever re read like about they'd gone in such depth about me but trying to make it all a joke about a sex toy and I could use it on Eddie, but on, it was like so malicious. And I like a couple years ago, I think that really would have got to me. And I genuinely found it funny, but yeah, a couple years ago with the first Supercross thing, it took me a, a week or two, dude, I'd get all these hate emails or comments online. I'm like, whoa, why are people being so horrible? But it really like helped me in the long run, I think. And especially this email the other day I got, actually now you remind me, it was gnarly. <laughs> but back then it was quite hard to deal with. Like just the first like, week or so yeah first week or so i didn't understand it i just felt a bit shit and you're like why why are people being so mean and like dude i'd go out to the track and be nervous i got ryan villapota stood there and i'm trying to get on a bloody supercross track i'm hardly turning up like vow to souls swinging my dick about thinking i'm the man you know like, <laughs> i'm shitting yeah, like myself i'm on the way to the track dude if it's an hour drive i'm like i hope there's traffic today i hope there's traffic <laughs> you know <laughs> Yeah, it's so yeah. funny. It's like probably people that are, wouldn't ever put themselves out there. Now they're giving you shit for trying something out of your comfort zone. You're not trying to break a world record. You're just like, well, this is a personal challenge. It's probably far fetched, yeah. but people I'm gonna fun. give it a give it a go. Mm. Oh well, what can you do, eh? Um, what do you make of Hardline? Like you've obviously done well there. Do you do you like that you've got an event like that? I Could, love it. Could we learn from that event for other events? I'll be quick. I love Hardline. I haven't watched Hardline from last year yet because I was too sad about it. But Hardline is a whole thing. I think, yeah, dude, we need better jumps at World Cups. World Cups have shockingly bad, embarrassing jumps. You look at the last year at Leger, they were so badly built. They were tiny. We couldn't even clear them because they were so bad. And they had kicks at the bottom and then flat bank takeoffs. I think if Hardline could do anything, it could teach us to have better jumps at World Cups because we're riding the best tracks in the world, supposedly with the best riders in the world, riding some of the worst jumps 
ever built. <laughs> so Hardline is an amazing event. They put a lot of time and effort and money into it. And it performs really well with them. And maybe that could grow our sport. Maybe have some huge jumps at World Cup, whether they're on the track or even have the finish line here and have a jump 50 feet after the finish line, you know, like a big whip jump. I think if anything from Hardline, what we could take from that is that brings in a huge crowd to watch. It's that Red Bull's biggest event online now, I think. It might have gone past Rampage. So let's take that knowledge and take that to World Cups, the best racing. Now with some good jumps, you know, like people love jumps. People love a spectacle. So I think Hardline's great for that. Yeah, I mean, just from seeing Dark Fist, if they build correctly, they can be big. They obviously have consequences, but they're safe. They're built so well. If you get the right people to build it, or like you say, build one or two after the finish line, after the beam, um, yeah, that would be cool to bring that to the public and bring it to a broadcast, right? Because you can make it safe. Dude, you can make it safe, and they don't need to be as big as Hardline, but just let's just get the World Cup jumps better. They're dreadful. They're terrible. Half year had a good home straight, or a good first straight a few years ago, that cool gap in the bounce. Yeah, halfway, and that but... was safe as hell and looked good. <sighs> oh, my God, so cool. Most of our tracks have the worst jumps and not world-level worthy at all. So that's so that's funny. What it's like the World Cup of mountain biking and have the worst jumps. Like That's quite a fair statement. Dude, dreadful. Well, the top of Val Nord, I mean, it wasn't really jumps. It's more like drops and booms, right? Yeah, they're pretty what average. What was that like? Pretty average. <laughs> pretty average. <laughs> oh, shit. They tried, though. Well, they Bernard, tried to do something, which is cool. Yeah, I know you are a crazy busy man, so I actually don't want to keep you for too long, but I do want yeah, to just say what is, the, what is the future hold for Bernard Kerr, BK Sport, uh, and the team? What, what can we see from the team, and what, what, can we, what else are we looking out for? Future holds some good things, dude. I've, I really want the team to win a World Cup. That's a huge goal of mine since I started that. I want to win the team World Cup, you know, like the best team of the day. We've won it in Juro many times now. It's really cool. I've been a part of that as well there. And that I'm really proud of that, actually, like the team winning the Enduro overall. So hopefully the future holds doubt the team winning a downhill World Cup. That would be awesome. Jenna, Jake, everyone going on to kill it. I'm going to win a World Cup, mate. We're going to make it happen. We've got some new things coming and we're really going to go hard at that. And then just just enjoying the sport of mountain biking, seeing more people. I want to do more interactions with people. And hopefully as BK Sport grows, it's like a brand on its own. Hopefully we can do some ride days and, I don't know, some cool way to integrate that with the sport and fans and hopefully in Wales with a new shop. So just like more, not giving back, but yeah, I guess that to younger riders and I just want to do cool things. It's not like Seattle is cool, dude, but we're just kind of networking and chatting and this and business, business. How about we just hang out and ride, you know, like more like, yeah, it's very cool, like wholesome, like let's all go to Wales and camp in a field and do a cool event. I don't know. Yeah, so maybe a BK ride cool events, day, yeah. BK sport ride day or something, right? Or a two-day yeah, thing where you can actually get to know some people. Exactly. I want to do an event one day, like uh, I've got this cool idea for an event, like how we can live stream the whole track, like, a 20 second kind of track race thing with the best guys in the world with huge prize money, whether BK Sports sponsors it or Red Bull one day or someone. So, got some coiders there in the pipeline, and yeah, just some cool stuff, man. Just to like enjoy the sport more with more people. I think I got a I got an idea and a potential venue for some top riders and a little bit different version of a of a downhill race. So I'll share it on offline. Maybe you could be the first All pro right. rider to say yes to it. But we'll keep it we'll keep it a secret. But I'll link to all these things in, in the show notes, like his BK Sport. But otherwise they just need to hit you up on YouTube. Give us that handle and obviously Insta is probably the best. 
yeah, YouTube, Instagram, and bksport.co.uk is the website. And um, yes, yeah, once every month, once every six weeks, we go live with a drop, but we post loads about it. Put your email into the website. You'll get an email when we're going live three days before and on the day of. And um, come to Wales, ride the Athens Bike Park. Dan and Rach and G and everyone that's put the money and time into that create an amazing place. So good that I'm moving there. That's how good they've done this. So mad respect to the Athens family as a whole family and Dan, the amount of hours he puts up there on a digger. So they've created something truly great. So swing by and say hi. Well, wicked, Bernard. I, I know we talk fast, both of us, and now at least the listener can understand you come from a, a good place for, for the best of the sport. So thanks again for Hopefully. all your time. So listeners, you know what to do. If you like this episode, share it with a friend and follow the show so you don't miss out. I get all those reviews. I read all the direct messages. So peace until next one.